What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. This is the 150th episode of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We, we, we really do appreciate you, and as is, it's a momentous occasion. Not Dude, only, I'm so happy. Not only are all three of us here for like the second consecutive week. Incredible. <laughs> it is also week one of college football, and it is Appalachian State Day. I know what this means, but for, for our viewers, Doug, please enlighten them. I figured it out. I figured out what this is all about. On September 1, 2007, we had the greatest upset of all time in the big house. As Appalachian State, then still an FCS member, by the way, upset the team up north by two points on a blocked field goal last second. Special teams matter. Hunters are real football players. Wow. I do also have to say, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, uh, you guys have no idea what kind of sacrifice I'm making to be here. I literally had to turn off three other football games. I'm only watching one. As we're live, it <laughs> cut me emotionally. <laughs> Which ones you pick? Uh, I have Penn State Purdue up because, oh my gosh, this is already incredible. And West Virginia Pitt is a punt fest, which is great in its own right. And I've been live tweeting all those great punts, but <laughs> we got to get to some real amazing football, which is Purdue at the moment. So uh, I'm going to hand it over to Ben real quick, though, because we have things to discuss and uh, I need to sit silently and watch college football. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So, normally we kick the show off with the NFL news, and, you know, this, this kind of falls into it. Tug and I have talked uh, multiple times about potentially doing a fantasy hour uh, just on our own in the past, and uh, we were approached on Twitter about a new fantasy football product out there, and we wanted to uh, bring the guys on that have put this together tailgate fantasy sports from tailgate fantasy sports we have tailgate hans and drew nelson thank you guys for joining us today and uh welcome to the show hey guys what's good thank you so much for having us and letting us be a part of your 150th man that's awesome congrats yeah thanks for the opportunity well thank you guys appreciate the uh compliment feels good uh i gotta say though going through tailgate fantasy sports it looks very different than the other fantasy platforms I've seen. Can you just talk about what you guys saw as like a hole that you guys wanted to fill in the fantasy market? Absolutely. And it's kind of a long story. Um, I've been a fantasy player for about 15 years and I live out in the desert in Albuquerque. So there's no pro teams inside, man. Totally. I'm so, so sorry. I just left Clovis, <laughs> New Mexico on December. Same. Yeah. <laughs> totally, man. It's uh like I say, it's witness protection out here, but you know, <laughs> and overall it's good. You know, I started really gun ho as a Jets fan when I was younger and I got into fantasy about 15 years ago, but the more I got into fantasy, the more I realized like, Hey, I'm becoming less of a Jets fan on Sunday. I find myself rooting more for my fantasy squad than I do for the actual Jets. Part of that is because they suck, but right. <laughs> I was about to say. Fantasy is awesome. I was about to say how much of that's fantasy's fault and how much that is the Jets fault. 
totally, yeah. And it's funny because when you first start playing, you know, you start stacking lineups, you pick players from mostly your favorite team anyway. So, like, a lot of that fandom is there early on. But then as you want to get more competitive at fantasy, you definitely do what's best for that fictitious team. So, long story short, uh, you know, we find ourselves rooting for our fantasy teams more. And we say, hey, this is definitely a hole in the market, man. And my business partner, Drew, and I, we came together. We worked together at our day jobs. And we're like, hey, let's go fill this. Let's make a fantasy game for fans only. So our game is so different because as you guys notice, you pop in, you pick your favorite team or, or any team. It doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite if you want to go out and win the thing. Um, but yeah, you pick your favorite team. You set a three-man lineup using players from your favorite team only. And then to achieve that scoring parity, you got to rotate two players each week. So I'm going to go ahead and ask this because, man, I'm right there with you. I, I'm a diehard Dolphins fan, so I, I, I feel... Sorry for you that you're a Jets fan, but then I'm from New England, so I had the dynasty at my hands and chose something else. Right. <laughs> um, but I got to ask you, is it defense and offense, or can you only set offensive players? It's defense and offense, yeah. In fact, we've kind of skewed the scoring a little bit to, you know, not make defense overpowered, but give people incentive to play those. You can also pick an entire defense and special teams unit. So all the position groups are the same. It's like you're playing in an IDP league, basically. Um, but yeah, you'll see some of the more savvy players are definitely playing defenses a lot more heavily than offense only. Can you please set the weight of like kickoff coverage specialists? So if they get <laughs> one tackle, that's like 10,000 points. Is that possible? <laughs> right? Who's that punter back in the day or special teams guy that would just go down the field and blow people up? I forgot who it was. But... Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee did it a lot. Yeah, there's one other guy with, like, long, flowing hair. He would just haul ass down the field and just lay people out. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so is it so, customizable like that, I guess, is the real question. Um, not at the moment. Uh, we do have, like, predefined scoring. We just launched league mode, though. So this is year two. Last year was kind of like our beta season, just kicking things off, making sure all our bugs are ironed out and spreading the word a little bit. This year, I'd say, is our true like year one where we have a full turnkey product. People can start their own league, set playoff size, things like that. Um, customizable scoring, though, is going to be a piece of that league feature that we're still working on. So I guess with that, any plans to add uh, an offensive lineman to these fantasy rosters at some point? You know, man, that was number one in my mind as we were scoping this thing out. I'm like, how can we add O-linemen to this? And the truth of the matter is you have to pay for a data feed provider, just people literally watching games and giving stats in real time. And the data feed providers just don't record anything offensive line related. It's a shame. I mean, pancake block should be awarded. You should be deducted if you're allowing sacks and hits behind the line of scrimmage. Like there's all sorts of things that could be recorded and we could incorporate, but it's just kind of impossible at the moment. That is definitely unfortunate. Something we should work on. So I have a question, though, about this as well. We mentioned, you know, that you have to rotate to your players every week. I've currently got my lineup set. I'm a Bears fan. So I put Darnell Mooney, Eddie Jackson, and Justin Fields. If I just leave Justin Fields and swap the other two guys every week, is that still legal? Yeah, totally works. In fact, we kind of built that in. We were going to only have one player rotate per week. We were like, no, two would give us better parity, but still allow people to have, like, a lock starter or their favorite player, whatever you want to do with it. 
But so, another thing that makes it really different is it's just so easy. You know, the sign up is that simple. You just give us an email. It's totally free to play. Set a, you create an account, set a team name. Um, then you go right into setting your lineup and picking your team. And unlike, you know, traditional redraft dynasty stuff, the, there's really a low barrier of entry. So it's really good for work leagues, for family leagues with kids who just are kind of getting started with it really brings people together and levels that playing field if you're not having to deal with, you know, waivers, trades, drafting. And, you know, I love all that stuff. <laughs> I play all kinds of other fantasy platforms. You know, it's, this isn't to replace those platforms either. Like we love the redraft. We love dynasties and keepers and all that stuff, but it's a nice little added layer. And if you can get back to, you know, rooting for your team on Sunday a little bit harder then that's all we're after. So you said you have a league mode as of this year how many teams would you need to even start a league? Like, so if I were to go out and say, Hey, I want to start a BDT tailgate fantasy league. How many, how many teams would I need to find? How many guys would I have to recruit? So it's any size league. And that's another reason why it's really awesome for league mode. Cause you could have a league of just you three. If you wanted to, you could open it up to your listeners. As long as you get an email list going and it can be any size. That's why it's really good for work leagues too. Um, the only threshold that we make you define is the number of playoff teams because it can't go on indefinitely. Um, but yeah, as any size, the top finishers would all qualify for the playoffs in that case. Um, yeah, it's leaderboard scoring too. So head to head isn't quite in there yet, but it's leaderboard, you know, true roto style at the moment. Well, I absolutely love it, man. And I, I've enjoyed what I've seen from you know, poking around in there just a little bit, absolutely an amazing explanation. And I could definitely see uh, getting one of these together for, for my work league. Uh, anything else you guys want to plug about uh, tailgate fantasy sports here? I know football season is upon us right now, but are you guys looking into doing perhaps hockey, basketball, baseball, anything like that in the future? Totally. All those football. things. It's uh, definitely going to kind of depend on how quickly we can scale. Um, so that's why it's really great of you guys to let us on and talk to your listeners. So you can sign up to play anytime at tailgatefantasy.io. Our main website is tailgatefantasysports.com if you want to go there and check out an explainer video and some articles and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can find us on Twitter at tailgatefs. And one last thing you'll notice is the mad scientist Drew down here. He's, he's everything, man. He's the brains behind the whole operation. He's built everything so easy to use. We want it to feel like a video game and not so much like your traditional fantasy app. And I feel like he's done a really good job of, of building in that way. So can I make a, can I make a recommendation <laughs> for you guys to look into that I feel like our, our co-host Doug here would absolutely thoroughly enjoy? Hit me. What if we expanded this to college? That's an absolute niche market that isn't tapped at all. I mean, you tell, you tell Doug, he can go and pick Ohio state and pick three starters from Ohio state every week. I feel like he'd be sold. Totally. And that's right where our head is at too. We wanted to go with football first, get our kinks out with the NFL. Um, the plan is to expand it to college at some point. I mean, the tailgate branding plays really great into that as well with the red solo cup, the stadium. Yeah, absolutely. All that but the problem is, I don't want to say the problem. Congrats for the name, image, likeness, right? <laughs> Way to yep. go, everyone who qualifies for that. But the kicker in all that is likeness, name, and image for us. So we'd have to compensate people for using their name and stats in a way that we don't have to for pros. So once that dust settles a little bit more and it's not so new, definitely we want to open it up because 
you're right. There's no one filling that void at the moment. And with so many teams and players to keep track for, they need a simplified solution. Absolutely. That's a story that I've been keeping a very close eye on. All these different conferences signing various statistical contracts with all these crazy you know, Vegas companies and even just average stat companies. So hopefully that gets worked out. I would love to play a version of tailgate fantasy sports for college football. That would be dream scenario for me. You'll be the first person I reach out to, man. I'm like, I'm saying that that's the number one thing I want to do as well. And like, it's just some constraints, you know, but eventually, yes, totally. Well, boys, thank you for joining us here today. Uh, any last shots? We we got uh, your Twitter and tailgatefantasy.io here in the comments for everybody to go and check out. Uh, anything else to add before we uh, continue on with our show? No, thanks for having us on. I mean, we follow back on Twitter too, so if you do give us a follow, good chance it will follow you back as long as you have sports anywhere in your bio. Um, you know, we have a little bit of name envy over here. We don't have a cool, you know, bug, dog, <laughs> tug name. I was thinking maybe <laughs> Nug or... <laughs> I don't know, Mug, something just to fit in, but <laughs> one of these days. You can be Hug, that works. I was just going to say the illustrious <laughs> Hug. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we're not a rug, right? We don't want to be walked on. <laughs> well, well, thank you guys for taking a little bit of time to come talk to us today. Thank you for joining us on the show. And uh, definitely looking forward to using your product this year. Amazing. Thanks so much for having us, guys. Have a good rest of the night. You too. Thank you. You guys too. Hey, great talking to y'all. Thank you. All right. So fantasy football in a completely different way than it once was. It it's really actually, does look. Yeah. It, re it really does look awesome to me. Uh, there's a, there's unlimited potential. I mean, you could find a group of friends that like, I could find a group of bears fans and get a league together. You can right. find a group of dolphins fans. You can find a group yeah. of Browns fans and get a bunch of people together and just be all, you know, who can make the best Browns team. Not the Cleveland oh, sorry, GM. Titans, 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 not, not the Cleveland GM. <laughs> oh my goodness. My daughter is in here and she is. Uh, Wanting to be on not, the show. Yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Moving right along, Tug, you can take back over with the NFL news if you'd like, or I can keep rolling with it, man. It does not matter to me. No, I'll, I'll take it here. Um, I know we started with such a fun topic. It's an, uh, it's college week one, not week zero anymore. We're in week one. Uh, but I do get to bring down the mood just a little bit here with a couple news stories. Uh, Washington, Washington Commanders rookie running back, uh, Brian Robinson Jr., was shot multiple times over the weekend. Uh, in an apparent attempted robbery. Uh, sources I had seen said it was uh, an attempted carjacking. That being said, as, as bad as this is, uh, reports say I believe they were to his leg and his glute. Um, as bad as it is, as bad as it sounds, they are non-life-threatening injuries, uh, and there's actually hope that he's going to be able to return and play in the NFL this season. Guys, this is a, a horrendous story. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but but what are you guys? What are your guys' takes on this? Get horrendous sucks. Yeah, yeah, horrendous. Absolutely not the most horrendous story in the NFL this week. We're not going to talk about the other one. If you know, you know, and if you don't, uh, just look up the Buffalo Bills. We'll just leave it at that. Um, Here's a hint: I'm watching Penn State. <laughs> 
Oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, four weeks I've seen uh, is an estimate for how long he'll be out. So that's insane to me. I don't know that I would want anybody hitting my leg after being after four weeks uh, post being shot in the leg. Um, so that's I've also never been shot. So I don't really. I've also never goes. been shot. That is, <laughs> that is very fair. Uh, speaking of leg injuries, though, uh, Titans took a took a pretty big uh, leg injury here. Took a yeah. arrow to the knee. Oh, dude. So uh, yeah, after after the massive contract extension in the middle of last year, uh, Harold Landry comes out. Uh, from what I had seen, he'd been having a really solid camp all the way through a really solid preseason. Uh, news broke today that he tore his ACL and his 2022 season is over. That is a massive blow uh, to the Titans pass rush in that defense. Does it change any of our predictions moving forward for the Titans this season? I mean, I didn't think they were going to be that great. So not really, I guess they still have Bud Debris. So one of their two overpaid pass rushers is still there. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be okay. It is what it is. I mean, honestly, look at last year. They had the most active players at any point, you know, during the season yeah. last season. They, so, they ended up playing like something over 90 different guys. They'll so find a replacement. They'll find something in the aggregate to work it out. So what you're saying is at least they're getting the injuries out early this year. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Titans, Derek Henry and the Titans have agreed to a new contract. And what I mean by this is the Titans have not actually extended him. Uh, there are no additional years on this contract. They just said, Hey man, do you want an extra 2 million this year? And Derek Henry was like, yeah, I do. He is now the highest paid running back in the league. Honestly, this makes sense all around. I have no issues with it. I think it's fantastic for Derrick Henry. I'm always a fan of running backs getting paid. They don't have a long career, so. I'll just say what I told you in our group chat earlier. I wish my job loved me this much that I could just get a <laughs> random $2 million raise. <laughs> right. It's not even like he was holding out asking for for more money. They just went up right. to him like, hey, bro, do you – do you want to? No, know actually, we think you should be the highest paid at this position we, ever. We got some in extra history. We got some extra cash in the bank. Do you want it? <laughs> Our treasury is loaded right now. We think we should split that with you personally. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Derek Henry is not the only contract <laughs> renewal uh, this week. I'm going to skip over this next one. Come back to it, but uh, dangerous. Wow, okay. Russ Wilson has been re-signed by the Denver Broncos. They agreed to an extension. It's a five-year contract extension for 245 mil with 165 guaranteed. Guys, Denver is has got their QB1, and they don't want to let him go. Which yeah, is good totally. because last year I had no idea who was going to be their QB1, and I don't think they did either. No, they didn't. What it, was it last year or two years ago they had to start a wide receiver at quarterback? That was two uh, years ago. Yeah. It was Kendall Hinton, and he got cut this week, which is sad. Uh, but also, you missed out on my great joke that I wrote for you. He should have changed his name to Denver Russ. It's literally right on the notes. I'll I know it, right it is. I, I, he leaves us Here's, these no, 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 Easter no, no, eggs, and I think the they're problem. just for us. 
here's the problem. It's Tug so was not going to know how to pronounce that. He was going to fuck <laughs> up the pronunciation. <laughs> no, that, that would have been if I forgot Russell Wilson's name. <laughs> it just went to... It's, it's likely... I'm just going to ask you randomly as points during this season. I'm going to ask you randomly. Who's the quarterback (laughs) for the Denver Broncos? No, you're going to change the team every week. And you're going to pick a week where a quarterback goes down and there's a no-name backup. That's like... That's also possible. I'm not saying that won't happen. But I'm definitely going to ask you about Russell Wilson every week. And if you can't come up with it one time, there's... I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Well, you know we'll what no-name quarterback he won't ask you about? Ben DiNucci, because he got cut by the Cowboys this week, too. Boom. <laughs> All right. Doug, you and I were talking earlier this week about how Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater might be the best top, one of the top-tier uh, backup quarterbacks in the NFL. But uh, even if we were saying he was the best, that is no longer true. Uh, as Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers have agreed to a contract restructure. This is the last year of his contract, but he is still being paid 26 mil to ride the pine. Guys, is there a better deal in the world? I'm sorry, but we were just talking about mispronouncing quarterback names. You said Grappalo. I don't even know what you said. It's hard to even what, replicate it. Would you, was that Garapagoat? would you prefer Garapagote? That would be better than whatever you said. At least that's intentionally wrong. Oh, man. Garoppolo is, without a doubt, the best backup quarterback in the league right now um, because he's one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the league. Um, yeah. And for some reason, they think Trey Lance is going to be better, which good luck with that. We'll see. I don't, I don't... Is that what they think, or do they not trust Trey Lance, and that's why they put all this money into I, Garoppolo? I well, don't think they fair. trust their backups. I don't and think in their they defense, trust either of them. That's the I wouldn't either. <laughs> so they want the safety net of what if I don't, what if Trey Lance isn't what I think he is? I need to put somebody in. And Jimmy Garoppolo honestly is the perfect answer to that situation. Garoppolo. Garoppolo. And it's from Illinois. I promise you all those letters are hard. Garoppolo. <laughs> yeah, but see, I now bet. I'm going to do it on purpose because I know it's annoying you. Thanks. Now I'm curious. I, I really appreciate it. Truly wonderful. I love when you mispronounce people's names on purpose. Love it so much. <laughs> yeah, he is. Hence, they just scored a touchdown. Can we not? Let's just move on, please. Before we get to uh, acquisitions, and really we're doing acquisitions because we could go through big names that were cut from every team, but the show would be four hours long at that point. Um, yeah, Ben said no, so that's why we're not doing it. Well, just ways to, to trim it down. You asked. You asked. So Look, I'm, I'm just like this. There's a reporter that almost got fired from misquoting Baker Mayfield. Again, if you know, you know. <laughs> it was awesome. Also, Diego Fago got cut. Uh, I was just going to say, let's let's sum this up. Every Service Academy player that was either drafted uh, or signed as an undrafted free agent have been cut. True. Also, Jarrett Patterson got cut. Very sad. Anyway, I know. Now, now I'm actually sad. I, I'm a fan of Jarrett Patterson for no good reason other than he was. I hate good to say this. I watched him at Buffalo. <laughs> I I hate to say this. What's it say? Like, did they cut him before or after the news broke about Brian Robinson? After. Ooh, that's mm. brutal. That's yep. brutal. 
Yep. Show am. Anyway, uh, yeah, some signings happened and waiver claims. Yeah, I'm so. gonna I'm gonna pass this to Ben because this might be the best news a Bears fan could uh, could receive. Uh, ben, go ahead, take it away. So here's the thing about Alex Leatherwood being cut by the Raiders and then signed by the Bears. This is what I had hoped for and wanted to happen the whole time. The second I heard he was being cut by the Raiders, because something is not right that you want to get rid of a first round offensive tackle. Obviously, people are calling him a bust, this and that. Sure, fine, but it's the same thing, same way I feel about Nikhil Harry. Bears were able to get a former first-round wide receiver for nothing. He's unfortunately on the IR. That's a different discussion for a different day. But what it cost them, they had to make a trade to do that. Alex Leatherwood was cut. Is he a bust or not? I don't know. But if I if the waiver wire gets to me, I'm, of course, going to take a chance on this because why wouldn't you? They had the cap room. Go for it. And this is what shocks me and why I kind of – actually believe that something else is going on that hasn't broken out in the news yet. Alex Leatherwood did not have a bad year as a rookie tackle last year. It was not horrendous. I don't know how his camp looked. I I, I wasn't tuned into Raiders camp uh, the entire offseason. I don't know what his offseason program looked like. Those could all be factors. But when you look at the stats on the field, Alex Leatherwood had a solid rookie season. I'm not going to say it was groundbreaking. I'm not going to say it was you know, the best I've ever seen out of a rookie tackle, that would just be an outright lie. But he had a solid season that you would expect from a rookie right tackle. Dude, this Penn State guy just speared a Purdue player in the head with his head. Thank goodness they called that targeting. That was right. That's one of the worst hits Here's... I've ever seen. That is so bad. He literally led with his head to hit the guy in the head. Here's, here's what doesn't make sense to me. Anyway. There are reports that keeping it with the Bears, because we're talking about Alex Leatherwood too, right? But there are reports that David Montgomery's future in Chicago is in question because people don't know how he fits into their new scheme. But he's been their lead back for a couple of years. They're at least going to give him the opportunity to figure it out. Alex Leatherwood was a number, you know, he was a first-round pick, number 16 last year, right? Overdrafted that we all called out on that show, if I remember right. He was overdrafted, but even at that, he was going to be top of the second round, right? He would have been there in the second round for him. So, I mean, it was a reach. Was it a crazy reach? And it didn't didn't matter because they got Trayvon Merrick anyway, which everybody wanted him to get. It doesn't make sense that you would make that investment and then get rid of them the next year just because the scheme changed. Yeah. I don't, like I said, there has to be something in the background that hasn't broken out yet. Um, or it, it could be scheme fit as a as an indicator and then just disagreement with the new coaching staff. That's a, a distinct possibility, too. Uh, oh, but we won't could know. Be on the on the trade market, trying to go out and get Kareem Hunt, best kicker in the game. God damn it. All right, I'm going to move us on here. Uh, other signings around the league, you guys stop me if there's one you want to talk about. Uh, the Dolphins have picked up Trey Flowers. The Ravens have picked up Kenyon Drake. Uh, the Texans have picked up Tyler Johnson. And the Browns have picked up uh, Kellen Mond. Anything there that sticks out to you guys that you, you like, yes, that's a solid signing? Hilarious to me that Kellen Mond is basically a one-for-one replacement for Josh Rosen at this point. For <laughs> both of them. Like, that makes sense either way. This is <clears throat> that's crazy. <laughs> 
And then in the final bit of NFL news, Jalen Rager gets a new start in Minnesota. Uh, the Eagles sent him over to the Vikings. And in return, the Eagles have received a 2023 seventh and a 2024 conditional fourth or fifth. Uh, honestly, they got something for him. I feel bad because he had all the potential and just injuries and was never able to take off. I mean, yeah, but he was taking one pick before with Justin Jefferson. So yeah. The Eagles, come on, what are you doing? So the Vikings now have both those guys. Yes. So, I mean, yes. just imagine if they unlock Jalen Rieger up there. Right. Oh, my God. Right. The, the Vikings lack would be dangerous is what, is what that means for anybody who didn't get it. Correct. Hey, we're going to be talking about that next week in our playoff predictions. Spoiler alert, I have the Vikings making the playoffs. Anyway, um, so yeah, college news. Since Ben also rejected us talking about Chauncey Gardner Johnson being traded to the Eagles. Um, just go straight to college news. Uh, apparently, according to a couple of different sources, CBS, Yahoo, uh, beat reporters were on this that according to their inside guys, the meeting this Friday, uh, which would be tomorrow as we're recording this, between the college football playoff committee and like the administrators and the presidents that are on that board could be deciding expansion right now. As in, they might be going to a 12-team playoff starting in 2024, uh, which is... Amazing. Awesome. And they need to do that. Um, I didn't even know there was momentum to do that until like yesterday when these reports started coming out. I didn't see anything about this until late yesterday, like late last night. So late yeah. Wednesday night. Like this, if we were recording on Wednesday, this would not have made the show. That is how late this news came out. And we, we go know. pretty late. I mean, it's it's nine o'clock on the on the East Coast, right? Yeah, I saw it before the show yesterday, but at the same time, I didn't have this much detail that it might be happening in 2024. Uh, the vote is tomorrow now. Yeah. I mean, like, this is this is happening really quickly, which is usually a good sign that it's going to happen because leaks don't get out until the last second on real things. What, but what do we think? I don't want to get my hopes too high. I what guess. do we think a 12-team... <laughs> I, I do want to live in fantasy land here for a second. What do we think a 12-team okay. playoff is going to look like? Is it going to just be, hey, here's the AP top 12, you're in, or are we going to have qualifiers? You're going to have the group of five auto bids. Uh, it would definitely be... I mean, I think the only, only way, way the administrators would agree to it is that you have Power 5 champions plus group of five auto uh, that's six, and then you have six at large. That makes a lot of sense, straight up. The first round would be played on campus, apparently, which is also incredible. I love that. That's awesome. I would, I would argue that you need to have two group of five auto bids. That's just me. I mean, yeah, I, know, I would. Obviously, like I'm biased well. in that regard. But, but if you, if you, if you're looking at it from this perspective, you've got five conference champion auto bids, pick the two best group of five in the next four at large. And that puts the screws to Notre Dame even more because now you only got four chances to get in. Which is technically the same as they have right now. So I don't know. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but instead of 
instead of five chances, they only have four. The rest of the the rest of the power true. five is going to have five chances. So, yeah, true. but the rest of the power five basically needs to win, you know, ten or twelve games. Notre Dame in a twelve team playoff realistically only needs to win ten or twelve games. No, <laughs> I mean, like nine. Because they're going to be how in the world would they get in at nine and three? Because they're going to be overranked at nine and three, and they're not going to play a conference championship game. You and Notre I, Dame all... doesn't get that much love in the polls. They'll be number fifteen or so at nine and three, not number twelve. Only Texas A and M gets ranked number like seven in the nation at eight losses. I mean, come on, we know how it is. Let's be realistic here. All right, let's move us on to speaking probably... of the SEC. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> So South Carolina has been going on a just absolute roller coaster ride with their mascot. Uh, they're getting a new live mascot, by the way. There is going to be a chicken on the sides. Which a is college, a cop. A full-on rooster, my guy. <laughs> so originally, this rooster was named Sir Big Spur. Uh, that's been the li- name of their live mascot for a long time. But somebody, I guess, technically owned the rights to that name, and it wasn't South Carolina. So they put it- out a public poll and said, yo, uh, we need a new name for our live mascot. Obviously, it's an online public poll. The internet <laughs> did not let us down. The internet is undefeated. <laughs> Spencer Rattler is said he is going to call the call it cock commander regardless (laughs) new favorite he is my heisman favorite uh no i didn't talk about him last week he's my heisman favorite now at least in my heart so the school just said we're not doing that they they go ahead and announce the name's going to be the general cock commander the general cock commander (laughs) he generally commands cocks for great low rates you can get online go to south carolina and save some time i guess only but. if you're trying to lose. The general is just a total ripoff of insurance it's company. Anyway, yeah. um, today they just have this big press release. Hey, we got the rights to Big Sir Big Spur back, and that's gonna be the name. <laughs> After all, <laughs> you, you know, you Forget know, this as, whole deal. You know, as soon as that poll finished. The administration went to the because I believe it was the original farmer who actually owned yeah. Sir Big Spur. Yep. yep. You know they went with their tail between their legs up to him and like, dude, we, we will we do need... anything. Please. I will Please. command your cock. <laughs> there was a block punt in the backyard brawl and West Virginia almost took it back for a touchdown. They have amazing field position. I'm sorry, continue. No, Thank that is one hundred percent watching. <laughs> Doug, which game do you have up right now? I have the college football scoreboard up because it, I'm I'm helping mm. us on I'm, okay. I'm streaming okay. us on Twitter. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Understandable, wrong, but understandable. Um, God damn, so yeah. Oklahoma State, stop! Central Michigan's dead. What really turned that around, by the way, was that safety. Because let's be real, the defense for Oklahoma State did not look good the first two drives for Central Michigan. And then that big punt, Oklahoma State gets a safety and a touchdown. That's a whole nine points. And then they have all the momentum. Then Central Michigan just couldn't do anything. Anyway, back to the news. Um, 
<laughs> we have slides. Thank you, thank you, Travis one. Pylons. This is a mustache for Reynolds with envy. If you if you're wondering about my mustache, you just got to check out uh, check us out on Twitch or Facebook. There you go. Uh, we have slides for this next one because Oregon just announced their uniforms for Week One. Uh, they are playing Georgia in a technically neutral site game, uh, which is in Atlanta. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, and this is as Oregon as you can get, I would say. Very green. Too much green. Not gonna lie. Honestly, if you're if I'm gonna go play a road game that's technically a neutral site, I'm gonna try and blend in with the turf too. I'm all for it. <laughs> the old uh, Boise State method there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh just enough yellow on that to technically not blend in, I guess. Skirt around those rules. Say, let's see. <laughs> can I can I zoom in? Am I gonna be able to do that? I have no idea. Good luck. No, I wish I could. The detail on the gloves is really good. Uh, the, it's got the O and then the duck face. You can kind of see it here yeah. Uh, yeah. in the hand. But overall, man, I I always enjoy Oregon's uniforms. I know a lot of teams and schools have started to go back to the uh, more traditional uh, look here. Illinois was one of, the, of, one of those more schools. traditional. SMU just announced today they're going back to that that big D on the helmet and everything. It's that looks so good. I don't have pictures of it up, but man, yeah, that was. I saw that late. I should I should have added it in there. Alex Tab has a question for us. How do y'all feel about the XFL? We're actually talk a little bit about uh, about the USFL yeah. and FS, FCF later, and uh, we can talk a little bit about the XFL at that point as well. So we will get back to your question. Don't worry. But just a couple of things real quick to wrap up on college news first. We'll say uh, Texas A&M has a new starting quarterback. Haynes King has officially been announced. Uh, that's in direct contrast to what the team up north just did in announcing that, hey, J.J. McCarthy is going to start uh, eventually because we want Cade McNamara to start as well at the same time. So McNamara is going to start week one. McCarthy's going to start week two, and then they're going to make a decision later on who's going to start week three. You have Jim one. Harbaugh literally said this inspiration for this decision came from the biblical story of King Solomon, which like that was about cutting a baby in half, dude. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's it, dude. He's trying to cut his season in half. <laughs> Don't cut my baby sister. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's in direct contrast to what Don Brown is doing at UMass, by the way. Former Team Up North guy himself going back to UMass and literally having on his depth chart five starting quarterbacks. UMass is in for a great season. I thought Wait. TCU having three was a lot. I know. I skipped over TCU. I couldn't wait to get to Don Brown having five at UMass. <laughs> but yeah, Sonny Dykes did say that TCU has three quarterbacks that they could see themselves using this season, and they're not willing to name a week one starter just yet. You will see who comes out first. I mean, technically you're right. But also, I would like to know beforehand if you don't mind, and he does mind, so that's that's a thing. 
Uh, last thing I will say, um, Florida A&M players have had a pretty rough go of things as of late. Uh, so much so that they band together and wrote a letter to the university president saying, um, you know, there are some real problems here. And I don't know if we can keep playing football for this institution because uh, you're not dispersing our scholarship money on time, meaning it's led to evictions. We can't get into our classes. Uh, this is literally affecting our academics, our credit scores, everything, because you, the university is messing us up here. We can't get into the facility sometimes. The facility's not even that good. I, they didn't say that part, but I did. So, <laughs> like, 88 players signed this letter. And then, also, the worst part of this to me was that ESPN came out and said there were, like, 20-some players deemed academically ineligible for the game against North Carolina Week Zero. Yep. It wasn't the players' fault. And, they couldn't get the in the yeah, in the letter they detailed like how each of those guys, it was definitely not their fault that they were academically ineligible, and the university just said, nah, our student-athletes are bums, instead of admitting that they totally messed this up. So, if you're a Florida A&M Rattlers fan, first of all, thank you for listening to the show. Second of all, why? And third, maybe get in touch with your school's administration, because they need some help and guidance, apparently. Oh, they need more than that. This is this is horrendous. This yeah. is the type of stuff that, and it sounds really bad that it comes down to sports being the catalyst for this, but this is the type of stuff that boards and university presidents get fired over. I mean, hopefully, this is this is why there was a big push for NIL. Like when you when you get down to it, I don't know if any of these players have NIL NIL deals uh, in the Florida A and M area. Any nil deals down there? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they have any, but this is exactly why it exists, because mistreatment like this from the university, like, you can't look at this and say, oh, well, they're still getting everything they need. They're clearly not. And I know this isn't right. happening in Alabama, right, for example. Right. Good but it Lord, is the city of Tuscaloosa sports. would burn Alabama's campus if this happened there. You know, Alabama yeah. spent more on athletics than they did on research. Yes. <laughs> what a great university. Harvard of the South, baby. Let's step into some non-NFL pro news. Uh, Make things a little bit lighter here. I'll actually start with the most fun story we had uh, from our favorite spring leagues, if you want to call them spring leagues. Uh, The FCF, if you remember, Carol Owens decided he was going to play this year. Looked pretty good for a 40-year-old man. And uh, him and two FCF receivers, Andrew Jamil and James Harden, James Harden, the football player, not the NBA star, uh, they were having a little online beef on Twitter, and it led up to the three men running a 40-yard dash, and T.O.'s time, unofficially, was a 4-3-8-40 at the age of 40. I mean, this is, this is insane. Like, it, look. I want to see the laser time on that. I want to see a laser time too, but I'm betting it's still below four or five. Like, I mean, yeah, uh, dude, dude, the laser yeah. time might actually drop it from where it is. I mean, it's I just doubt it's, that, but it's possible, technically, I guess. 
It's absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, another FCF alum. We've talked about him on the show previously. Last year, I believe he was signed by the Seattle Seahawks. This year, Travis Clevenant has been signed again to another NFL squad. This time, it is the New York Football Giants. Uh, he's not the only guy from one of these leagues getting some NFL action. There were several players in the USFL that were invited to camps, preseason, mini camps, all that fun stuff. Two of them have made the official 53-man roster. Shame on me for not going and doing the extra little bit uh, to get their names in here and well, honor them appropriately. We know, we know one for the Cowboys, Turpin, uh, who's wearing number that's nine, right. the first Cowboys player to wear number nine since Tony Romo, which that's great. <laughs> Love that. And then the other guy, I don't remember his name, and this I hate not his name, but literally he went to Tennessee and now plays for the Green Bay Packers. He is so your favorite Ben's player. Bro. Oh, oh yeah, I remember NFL this. Player. Fuck that guy. I don't. Re- I don't regret <laughs> not knowing his name. Uh, last but not least, to get back to this question from Alex Tab. Uh, I, as far as like feelings about the XFL, for me, I think they're doing a lot of things. They're going in the right direction here. It's the off season. They there was a signing recently. Yeah, uh, Brian Westbrook front came in. Staff. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty awesome. They're really putting together an impressive talent pool of like coaches, teachers, in a way. Not even just coaches. They have various. They have there's like so much football knowledge in that building, which is really important because the owners don't know football, right? Like. Yeah. The Rock is great, but come on. He played backup he was a defensive backup lineman. For the U. I mean, it was a good team, but... Congrats on making say, it to the U in, the, in that time. I was going to say, that's back time. in about the 2002 time frame, wasn't it? Yeah, let's be... Before then, mid-90s. Let's be real, though. Uh, a three-star defensive lineman out of the Miami area <laughs> is going to get some love uh, to go to the U even if they're still competing for national championships. So, yeah. Having My- uh, having all these different levels of football knowledge at different positions is really impressive. And there aren't many leagues who have been able to put this together. Right? And that's, that's kind of where my stance comes in, is I'm intrigued for it, I'm interested, I'm a little excited for it. I don't know if I like it yet. Uh, but looking at it from the outside, this looks like their best chance to succeed. Um, right. Long term, and 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 I love that. So that that's what I'm excited to see. And we got another comment here from Alex Tab on Facebook. I'm going to the 2023 tryouts, man. So I'm going to go out there and ball out, man. Thank you. Uh, hey, man, awesome. keep in touch with us, awesome. and we would yeah. we would absolutely love to have you back on the show. That's like as a guest on the show to talk about the process of getting to the tryouts, getting to camp, and all that stuff. So. Please, uh, please hop on our DMs there and keep in touch, man. We'd love to love to talk to you a little more in depth about your journey to the XFL here, man. And good last luck. but not least, good luck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that works out for you. And if it does, it's kind of impressive all the people you'll be around and uh, already the pathway they've presented as a you know XFL to NFL pipeline. They're really setting something up here. I think it could work. The USFL has been pieced together with uh, a shoestring, two grains of sand. Hope, it's been MacGyvered in such a way. It's insane. And but it works. It still they made works. It, right. They made it through a season, and 
what I'm most interested for, I think the if these two leagues go head to head, I think the XFL is going to prosper more than the USFL. Yep. Because the target audience for both of these leagues are, is guys in our age. Well, guess what was the league when we were kids, right? The XFL. The USFL is our dad's league, and frankly, I did not enjoy watching games without fans in the stands because, right? I mean, right. it, it loses it's, so much. It Literally, is, it was tough to watch on, the Bears without fans in the stands. Okay, I turned like, on West nice. Virginia Pitt today. At blown how loud this was. I was like, football is freaking back, dude. This is amazing. I love college football so much. Even Ireland showed out last week. Like, yes, they did. Like that stadium right. was packed. Was it Ireland or was it the entire state of Nebraska? Both. No, those were just the novice drivers. <laughs> no. All right. So here's the real story. Uh, it was the entire state of Nebraska because the beer ended up being free. And uh, this is every Midwest dad's dream. <laughs> Hold why on. Don't, why don't we just That's every Irishman's dream. No, no, no. Why Something didn't look? scan. The legitimate reason something wouldn't scan right, and so therefore it was free this time. <laughs> Let's take a look Send inside of Viva Stadium when the internet went down, and they were unable to charge anybody for anything. This is the beer line. <laughs> if Hold if on. you can't see that, that's uh, not the best thing. You're just listening. That is a, a crowd of people, uh, literally not up to fire code. How many people are in that hallway waiting for beer? <laughs> all right. All right. I'm just going to bring this back because we, we talked about the XFL beer snake, and that wasn't even the greatest beer line I've seen in that game. They had almost a two-story beer snake before it fell apart. That was fantastic in a beaver I want to know who let that fall apart because they need to be quickly shamed. They need to be shamed. That was a Northwestern fan. They're not used to getting alcohol on them, so. <laughs> Some attorney from Northwestern. Freak. <laughs> oh, what is this? That's not wine. What is this beer you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Northwestern won that game. Uh, Dude, 31-28. There were so many things to discuss here. I don't know if it's Nebraska or if it's Scott Frost, but somebody in that organization is first. I think the answer is yes. How many many one-score losses is this for Scott Frost? 23? 21. Uh, So he's 5-21 in one-score games. Yeah. But at the same time, when you break it down, Right, there were three turnovers that ended up being the difference in that game. The first one was a fumble that I personally don't think it was. I agree with the call that it stands. I don't agree with the call on the field. Number two was a pick that bounced off a receiver, and number three at the end of the game was another pick that bounced off a wide receiver. Like those are just bad bounces, man. That's stuff that happens in football, and when you have all of them go against you. Oh, that that hurts because, in my opinion, Casey Thompson played a fantastic game. Not gonna Did lie, he? he was great this first half, and then after that, everything fell apart. Which I think is your entire point. But at the same time, like, oh man, Nebraska has some issues I... here. So they went up by 
whatever it was, 13 points or something, they were up in the game. Then they just ran to side. That was a great time for a surprise onside kick, which I totally agree if you know what you're doing. <laughs> so it's Scott Frost. It, here's was, the thing. Scott Frost was mandated to hire a special teams coordinator because the athletic director didn't trust him to run special teams anymore. And then in the first game of the season for Nebraska, he goes out and says, you know what? Forget what this coordinator says. I'm saying we're running an onside kick. So and it just does not. Work did you see his response to that in the press conference after the game? I mean, something about it was all on him or whatever, but it, I no, so, so what I had seen was that he, he had basically said, hey, I talked this over with the coordinator, and we had said, if we get this look, we're going to do it. Um, and they apparently had the look. But the issue was, it looked like it surprised even the Nebraska players. That right. was the issue. Like, they didn't even know what they were doing. So, right. Coach, I'm glad you talked about it with your other coaches, but there's 11 guys that you might need it. to know what the plan is. Right, I recommend talking that over with your players, too, <laughs> at some point. That'd be a, a good call. Um, the best part of Nebraska is their running back. Unfortunately for him, he only touched the ball like three times in the entire second half. So, good luck with that. And is Northwestern good this year? That's that's the question. We, we uh, can't tell. They had a trash defense. They had a solid offense. But we can't tell yet. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this happened, and it's fantastic. The crystal helmet. It's so amazing. <laughs> Love everything about this. This is an and... official picture from Northwestern football's Twitter account. So this, this is a real thing that happened. Pat Fitzgerald put on the crystal helmet. God damn it. <laughs> it needs to and there was a, every time. There was a crystal helmet there, too. I mean, that's just amazing. <laughs> oh, man. What a game that was. Uh, there were a bunch of other games that happened last week as well. Let's go ahead and review them kind of quickly here, I, could, I should say. Uh, Utah State beat the University of Connecticut in a game that was a lot closer than it seemed like it should have been. Mount West Champ against uh, one of the most historically awful teams in college football. Um, 31-20, though, Utah State did end up winning. Pulled away at the end. <sighs> at, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was close for like three quarters there. Uh, Illinois dominated the entire time, surprising to me, against Wyoming. 38-6 to six there. Uh, I was very impressed with Illinois. It was a good performance by them. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what they do against Indiana tomorrow night as we record this. Uh, North Texas over UTEP. By a lot, I thought UTEP was going to make that very close originally. Uh, I thought North Texas had a good shot at winning, but it felt like a toss-up to me. Uh, no, actually, 31-13 to North Texas over UTEP. Wow. I knew I knew North Texas was coming, but damn, that is right. that was impressive to me as well. Yeah. I mean, it's felt like North Texas has been coming for the last three, four years. So exactly. That's up, why it was I, still kind of surprising, wow. right? Uh, Vanderbilt is in sole possession of first place in the SEC. It's the only <laughs> time you'll we'll be able to say this the rest That's of That's why lives. we're capitalizing on the opportunity. With a 63-10 to 10 win at Hawaii, uh, that is a lot of points for Vanderbilt. I'm, I mean, know how to count that high, considering their football team hasn't scored that much in literal centuries. I think and... the last time they scored that much was uh, 1536. 
Um, they were on their way to write the Magna Carta, and then they played a rousing game. Did of they football. even, Doug? I will. I will take care of the next game if you will look up if they even scored sixty three points in total last season. Um, they definitely got close. I knew that for sure. <laughs> The last game from week zero that we wanted to highlight was Duquesne against FSU. FSU winning 47-7. Of course, they're going to kick the shit out of their FCS opponent. But for the first time in program history, they had three running backs with over 100 yards rushing. And it's the first time it's happened by an ACC team since 2018. So regardless of how they did it, that is a very impressive stat for them. And it kind of leads in perfectly to our college football week one previews, at least games to watch that we're going to pick. There are other games that we want to highlight. Doug, have you got that answer for me yet? 189 points last year. Way more than I expected. Wait a minute. They got exactly – they have – hold on. No, no. Do the math out. They have scored exactly a third of their points from last year in one game. That is true. I like that. That's (laughs) that's pretty fun. Um, (laughs) Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there are some awesome games happening literally right now as we're live. Um, we're watching them live, so that's cool. Also, there are a lot of games happening tomorrow, and there are games happening Saturday, and there are games happening Monday. Um, and and Sunday, actually, too. I mean, not good one day, but there's still football on Sunday. It's, and it's football, all football season. And it's amazing. So... Here's the question. How many to present you guys, our faithful audience, the games to watch of college football? Because we can't just like name every game like I would want to. Uh, that would take up a lot of time. Let's try to limit this somehow. Uh, so what we've decided on here is we're going to name the ranked matchups. We're going to make picks for those games for sure. Like our all three of us make a prediction. And then we're also each three, one of the three of us, I said that very poorly, each one of us will pick another game to watch outside of those ranked matchups. So, for example, ranked versus ranked this week, we have Notre Dame at Ohio State, number five at number two. It's the biggest home opener for Ohio State in their history, according to the rankings of the teams. Uh, Oregon at Georgia, we've already talked about a little bit. It's a neutral site in Atlanta. Number 11 versus number 3. And then Cincinnati is headed to Arkansas. Number 23 at number 19. Should be a very awesome matchup. Two of the podcast favorite teams of last season. uh, Last couple of seasons, honestly. We are the unofficial Woo Pig podcast, by the way. (laughs) So... Those three matchups are off the table. We can't pick those as our individual games to watch this week. We're still going to make predictions for those games. Yep. So, I don't know if you guys anything else about those ranked matchups real quick before we dive into our picks. Uh, I think we'll probably talk about them more when we get to our predictions. I but, think that's probably the best way to do this. Yeah. Uh, so, why don't you go ahead and jump in, Bug. What's your game to watch this week? So, uh, as I kind of alluded to, my game to watch is FSU at LSU. And, uh, you know, props to LSU for actually scheduling a real team week one, unlike FSU. Uh, But props to FSU for getting their cupcake out of the way week zero instead of, I don't know, 
week 11 before rivalry week. That's pretty nice of them. Alabama. Yeah. Uh, look, I picked this game because if SSU wins, Mike Norvell has promised he will eat beignets on his coach's show. And frankly, he needs to show that he can win big games at FSU or he is going to be gone just like Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. This is where his road to redemption and job security starts. I'm so hyped. Purdue's marching down the field. It's 14-10 right now. Purdue has the ball down by four. Win it left in the half. It's freaking go, Boilermakers. I'm so badly want Penn State to lose this game. I want Penn State to lose every game for the rest of time. Anyway, uh, my game to watch this week. <laughs> I'm taking Middle Tennessee State at James Madison. Now, the first reaction to that matchup is, uh, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, at the same time, I think this would be a really awesome game. And uh, honestly, I, I just – there's a couple of things going on here. Let's Let's back up. So, Middle Tennessee has had the same head coach for like 16 years in Rick Stockstill. Uh, he's basically had a an above-average defense every season at Middle Tennessee State. The offense has been so up and down that they make bowl games. Like, he's the only coach to lead them to multiple bowl games. Uh <laughs> And they also went four and eight last season because the offense just wasn't good out of nowhere. So, for the first time in Blue Raider history, they're returning to the air raid. Mitch Stewart is the new offensive coordinator who led Murray State and Samford to very good FCS air raid systems. Let's see if he can put it together at the FBS level. Middle Tennessee State change up the offense entirely, going against. FBS newcomer James Madison, their first season at the FBS level. Coach Kurt Signetti has done such a phenomenal job. At the same time, every coach at JMU has done a phenomenal job for like the last four head coaches there. So we'll see if he can keep this up. Uh, there's a lot of momentum for JMU. They're feeling really good. They technically won their conference last season in the FCS even though the conference uh, said, no, actually, we're going to give the trophy to somebody else because you're not going to be here next year. But that's not how records work. So JMU is the actual champion. I'm declaring it. Good job, JMU. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so a completely new Middle Tennessee State up against a, a technically completely new James Madison. Uh, very excited for this kind of a matchup. No idea what we're going to get. This is perfect week one action. and. I'm un- unbelievably excited for this random mid-tier, probably bottom-tier FBS game. <laughs> I mean, I'm not much higher than you with my game of the week. Uh, At least I- you have Power 5 opponents. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've, I've got uh, BC, uh, Boston College, uh, out of Chapel. Chapel Hill going – oh, no, Chapel Hill. Oh, I messed that up. Oh, well, we're going to press on. Um, we have Boston College taking on the Piscataway YMCA and Rutgers University out there in New Jersey. Doug, go ahead before I get into this and I make a fool of myself more. It was third and one 
Purdue ran it and like ran it to the outside, got stripped right as he crossed the first down marker. Penn State ball, unreal. Oh, oh, what? Oh, unreal. Okay. Boston College Rutgers, what do you got? Yeah. So, uh, honestly, this doesn't seem like the world's greatest matchup. And frankly, it's it's probably not. Uh, But these teams, to me, look very evenly matched. I think Boston College has a higher upside this year uh, with, uh, who is it, Phil Yurkovich. Did I I say it right? Yeah, pretty good. Hey! All right. And, um, yeah, Phil Yurkovich taking back over the helmet uh, at quarterback for Boston College. I think they have a higher upside. But that being said, Greg Schiano and Rutgers can only be successful together. It's like a toxic marriage where they both hate each other, uh, but they're only – good with each other if that makes sense uh you separate them and they both suck uh-huh. i had a bad joke there we're gonna leave it alone yep yes you are uh, <laughs> uh ultimately the spread yeah, right now has the the spread has uh boston college by a touchdown um i i kind of like that i think it's gonna be a close game i think it is gonna be a one score game um it's not gonna be the best football, but it's gonna be a good, fun game to watch. Oh, he the Penn State guy might have been out of bounds before he secured the ball. It's a challenge on the field. Oh, this Pitt is just crazy. Just tied the game up, and uh, I've only got a little bit of food left to shove in my mouth, so I'm gonna make my picks quick. Let you guys make your picks, and then uh, okay, all right, fair enough. Go for it. <laughs> uh, so I I'm with. You guys here, I'm going to spoil your picks because I'm going first, and that's what I like to do on this show. Uh, We all agree here. Yeah, we're all going with Ohio State. Here's the thing. I could see Notre Dame keeping it close. What's the spread at right now? 17 and a half. half. Yeah, that doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. I hate it so much. Can you agree with me that 17 and a half is way too much? Yeah. Okay. Hold you on. know what that means for Ohio there State. There it is. We have, we have to win by 35. It's unrealistic. Ben, you had to know where that was going, man. I knew where he was going with that. I knew. Give me a good 10-point spread, like a normal freaking game. So you do think they'll actually win by 20? Because I don't see it being that. I see 10 reasonably. I could see a two-possession game. 10 or 10 I mean, to we're point. going there. We're going there right now. Ohio State 56-17. Moving on, uh, I'm going to take Georgia. I Oregon had came out to an amazing start last year. Sorry, Doug, don't mean to dig up old wounds here. And then lost to Stanford. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I, like I'm no not, I don't want to. Com- yeah, I don't want to completely ride out Oregon here. Um, and Georgia did lose a lot, and their new quarterback at Oregon, Bo Nix. Has some experience playing Georgia. Gotta say, there's, there's, not well, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of things to look True. at here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Georgia. They haven't given me a reason to doubt them yet this season. Who knows? Maybe this will be the first step towards that. So that's where I'm going right now. Uh, once again, ruining everybody else's picks. We're all going with Arkansas here. Uh, this one's easy. Like Insane. I said, unofficial podcast of the Woo Pig Nation. Exactly, and as much as I was a fan of Cincinnati and the fact that they were a group of five team that was going to make it to the playoffs, and they did, 
there's still Arrival of Memphis, and they're still leaving the group of five later uh, next year, actually. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go, one, with a more established Power 5 team, and two, with a team that didn't lose as much, has been building. They're kind of in the same right. position Cincinnati was last year. Like, if Arkansas was in a group of five conference, they would win and go to the playoff this year. I have no doubt about that. They're in the SEC, though. <laughs> so uh, we'll see We'll see how the cards, uh, how everything falls out for them. Uh, as far as FSU-LSU, the game that I picked, as much as I want to see FSU win, I don't see it happen. I think LSU has the better lineup. And, uh, yeah, they're going into Death Valley. That's also not doing them any favors. I, I think this one's just too easy to go to LSU. I'm also going to take MTSU. What's funny to me about this, I was thinking about this, if JMU was still an FCS school, I would probably take JMU. Mm. But the fact that they're, you know, they're both a group of five teams now, uh, I'm I'm going to go with MTSU. I don't really have any other reason for that. Uh, that's just where I'm at. That and feels God. like a college football thing. That would exactly, exactly. Uh, Rutgers, BC. Boston College. There we go. Flip a coin. Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm going to finish my food. I'll be right back. Uh, so I'm only going to talk about the ones that I had different. I'm actually going to take, first of all, I'm going to take Rutgers. Um, not because I don't like Boston College, but because I'm going to be honest, I think Rutgers is better. And that's a terrible sentence that I wish I didn't have to say out loud. That's unfortunate. Rutgers isn't better than most people, but you know, that might be probably probably a little bit better than Boston College. Uh, I'm going to take James Madison against MTSU simply because I don't trust uh, first-year air raid systems. I don't trust too many first-year systems to begin with, but air raid, like especially, that's a totally different kind of offense than what MTSU has had in the past. They're not set up to run that right now. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I also have a lot of faith in JMU. I think they could very well be pushing for six wins or so, uh, seven wins in their first season in the FBS level. If they want to do that, they kind of have to win these toss-up type games where it does feel very close. But I think JMU can pull this out. I'm the only one who's going with Florida State against LSU. I understand that's wild. I understand there should not be a chance of this happening. Here's the thing. Uh, I think Brian Kelly sucks ass. He is the worst pimple to ever exist on planet Earth. And if he wins more than a single game for LSU, I will cry so hard for the fate of our nation. It is... I can't stand Brian Kelly. I hope he loses all the time at forever and ever. Um, I'm going to take Florida State simply because I want that to happen. That's that's that. That's fair. All right, my picks. Uh, as you already said, yeah, we're all taking the Ohio State. We're all taking Arkansas. Um, man, you got you got to love the pigs, man. Woo pig. 
I'm going to differ here with uh, UJ Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon uh, for absolutely no good reason. Um, Feels accurate, though. (laughs) I feel I'm wondering if, and I'm going to highlight this with my player to watch as well, I'm wondering how that Georgia defense is going to respond, how that championship hangover in Atlanta is. I know it's still mostly a home game, but this this is a different spot for them. They haven't been here in 40-plus years of, guys, you are the top dog. Congratulations. The Bulldogs were finally on top. How do you react to that? I don't, I don't know how they're going to be. Um, and it's Oregon seems to be a very easy opponent to overlook for some reason, especially when they're coming in with a new coaching staff. Uh, so I'm interested. I think there's a chance Oregon pulls it off. Uh, so I'm going to go with Oregon here. Doug, I love you. Wait, hold up though. I think this is really an underrated aspect of the Oregon Georgia matchup that I didn't think about for some reason until right now. Oregon's new head coach is Georgia's defensive coordinator from their national championship season. Uh, they might know a thing or two about each other. and that's something Because they've seen consider. a thing or two. Yeah. Um, I'm still going to take Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, I, I love your analysis of Ryan Kelly. Anybody who, shouldn't, who can't recruit probably shouldn't be coaching college football, uh, but they're still going to overpower FSU in Death Valley this Saturday. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, they do have the better team, but at the same time, who has the better coach? How the answer we, is neither of them. How so. is it <laughs> to have your first game in a new level and you be the favorite? Because I would love to say I like the underdog, underdog story here, taking JMU because they're the underdogs, but they're not. But here's the big thing. It's going to be a party at JMU all weekend because it's their first FBS game. That stadium's going to be loaded, and they're playing at home. And it's Sunbelt versus Conference USA. Who is the Power 7? It's Sunbelt, baby. Let's go with the fun belt here. I'm taking JMU on this one. <laughs> and I, I have to correct something I said earlier. Uh, I made a mistake. I had the Sea Hill right. It's Chestnut Hill uh, that Boston College sits on. Not Chapel Hill. That's North Carolina. I didn't even hear that, or else I definitely yeah, would have made fun of you either. All right. Yeah. No, I, I caught myself. I still will make fun of you. Oh, I, I, I was it. I was too busy watching uh, Penn State score another touchdown before the half. Unfortunately, it's twenty-one to ten, and I hate speaking, life. Speaking uh, of touchdowns, Pitt just scored another one. It's twenty-three seventeen, pending the PA. I love college football, but I hate life right now with Penn State scoring touchdowns. This is brutal. But I am going to go with with Boston College on this one. Why? That's. Though? I, I kind of gave it my analysis. I think Boston College has a higher upside. Granted, Greg Schiano is yeah, known to pull teams like, out, but I'm, I'm going to take Boston College on this one. It's slightly better than my method of throwing my finger on the screen, trying to decide which way to go. So I'll give you props yeah. for that. <laughs> All right, so Let's we're also going to take some players to watch here. Um, we have one player to watch for each of us. Uh I don't know how exactly this is going to work every time. You know, it could be just like a homer pick. We take somebody that we know about and like to talk about. It could be just a, a random deep cut draft prospect that I'm looking forward to watching get drafted in April. Uh, could be anything, anything at all. Could literally be a fifth string offensive tackle for somebody because he randomly found a $20 bill and it made the front page of ESPN for some reason. And one of us loved the story. 
That's because That's he possible. found the, he found the McDonald's bag from Tennessee. <laughs> it would be somebody in Tennessee getting, <laughs> getting the, those improper twenty dollars bills. Uh, so anyway, we all we all are going to pick a player to watch every week. Um, I guess let's go ahead and start with Buck. What do you got? Yeah, so if you've been paying attention to Wisconsin football, Wisconsin news, um, you'll know that their backup quarterback just went down. Badges. Which wouldn't be a big deal except for the fact that I don't know too many people have a lot of faith in Graham Mertz. Now, here's the thing. They're playing Illinois State this week, so I'm not worried about can he lead the Badgers to victory. I think uh, nothing's a lock in college football. Right. This is but pretty if fucking he close. can't, it is Appalachian State Day. It is Appalachian State Day. Thank you, thank you, Tug. That helped me a lot. <laughs> um, what I, what I'm more curious about is is the play calling going to be in a way that is overly cautious to protect Graham Mertz? Is he going to play overly cautious, which is by the way how you end up getting hurt most of the time, right? Uh, or is he going to be playing reckless, looking for ways to get hurt? Like what what type of play are we going to see out of Graham Mertz? Is he going to change his game up any? Uh, to try and keep from getting hurt. Because, let's be real, he's going to put up some pretty good numbers against Illinois State. I mean, you certainly hope so. He's going to put, so. put up numbers against Illinois State. Or he'll play, like, two drives and they get benched because they can't risk him getting hurt. Oh, I didn't say so, he's going to put up good numbers. That would be interesting. I said he's going to put up numbers. Good or bad, there will be numbers on his stat line. You don't know that yet. He hasn't taken the field yet. <laughs> Just how aggressive you got to defend that. No, no. <laughs> it's possible he doesn't have any numbers, okay? Let's be real here. Uh, my player to watch is Mr. Cock Commander himself, quarterback Spencer Rattler. Uh, here's the reason, though. It's not because he's going to have a layup, a lot of stats, and I'm looking forward to it. I really don't care for the guy, other than the fact that he's calling it the cock commander, because that's amazing. Thank you. Appreciate it, Spencer Rattler. That's great of you. Uh, here's the deal. They're playing Georgia State. So, Spencer Rattler goes into a new system. South Carolina was surprisingly decent last year. They think they're a couple pieces away. Go out in the portal, get themselves a former Heisman contender. Now, he didn't perform at that level. He had a couple too many picks for Oklahoma's liking. At the same time, he throws an accurate ball, and he has enough arm power to make things sizzle if he needs to. Here's the problem. First game for him is Georgia State. If you don't know, Georgia State actually has a really fantastic defense, and they're returning, like, all of their starters, including a safety who recorded five interceptions last year, uh, another safety who had three interceptions last year, four all-conference caliber linebackers, uh, not even kidding. Like, they have four linebackers that should be in the conversation for the best in the Sun Belt at very least. Um, it's interesting, too, that South Carolina as a scheme, which I'm assuming the scheme is going to be the same, even though Spencer Rattler is different, they didn't do as well against three fours as they did against other defensive fronts. Georgia State runs a very experienced three four. This might be a sneaky great matchup for Georgia State for no reason. I want to see if Spencer Rattler can make this the blowout everyone assumes it will be. 
Because if he can do that, that would tell me South Carolina is going to be actually very good this year. And everybody in the SEC East needs to watch out. You're you're actually serious about that too. I am. Yep. I love of Shane Beam and Spencer Rattler. If he can live up to his potential, this is a scary team. They have the best corner in college football already in Cam Smith. If they can put the other things together, this will be legit. But. I don't know. Georgia State's an actual legitimate first week one test for them. I like this matchup a lot. It's going to be fun. All right. I'm looking at, I am going back to that Oregon-Georgia matchup, and I'm looking, this is generally, um, honestly, generally going to be Georgia's linebacking core, but let me let me break it down for you. I'm looking at, at a lot of their younger guys. Specifically, I believe it's Samil. Uh Samil Mondin Jr., he's a linebacker. He fills what in Georgia they termed the Mac position, uh, which is one of the two middle linebackers out there. That's a big deal. That's a big deal for them because they have lost a lot of their tackles from last year. And I don't mean tackles as in the position. I mean, a lot of their guys that went on to the NFL had a lot of tackles last year. Um, In the middle, you, you guys who know me, um, know that I'm a huge fan that if you're going to be successful, it starts at your middle linebacker stopping the run. Doug, what did Oregon do to Ohio State last year that turned that game around? They ran the same play over and over again. All right. So what I want to see is I want to see the, the Samuel Mondin Jr. on the Georgia linebacking core turn around and stop this run game that Oregon's going to come at them with because if I'm not mistaken, they still have Travis Dye out there. They do not, but oh, know, okay. good try. I thought. <laughs> Damn, that analysis was going so well. You could have picked anybody from that Georgia defense. It probably would have worked out for you. There are so many good players on that defense, just by nature of them being Georgia and recruiting from the state of Georgia. Like, half the good defensive players in every single recruiting class come out of that state. So, yeah. But what, the, it, but what this boils down to is kind of the same point you're making. It's going to be a gauge on where Georgia's defense is in comparison to where it was last year and where they can go this year. Right. And it's crazy that they lost like six different guys in the first round and they're still projected to probably be the best defense in college football. They lost half their starters to the first round, but not even the rest of the draft. They lost like 11, 12 guys to the draft in total defensive coordinator, and they're still projected to be one of the best defenses in college football. It's crazy. Also, Urban Meyer's on my screen right now. What is life? Let's talk about the NFC West, please. <laughs> is that, is, you want to go? You don't want to talk about Urban Meyer a little bit more? <laughs> uh, well, Brady Quinn's on the screen now, so we can talk. You know, about we, talk, we talked a little bit about, uh, about fantasy football at the start of the show. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, my big money league, which I won last year, first time we ever had a trophy, I won it, not on Congratulations. purpose. <laughs> um, it just made it really easy. I didn't have to ship it after we got it, so that was awesome. Um, Urban Meyer Dance Party, that's the name of one of the teams. You know, it's also your your picture that's that good. pops up whenever you call me. Just so you know, it is Urban Meyer and that and that chick from the bar. I approve this message. That's amazing. Oh man! 
So now that I've told Doug this, and he he had no clue about this, by the way, this is 100% genuine. Uh, it is time to get into the NFC West. We're gonna go, which is those... our last division to preview for the NFL. Because believe it or not, there's no NFL football this weekend. But next weekend is Week One of the NFL season. This is crazy. We're getting started here. Football is happening, and it's here to stay forever and ever. Football will never leave us again. Ever and ever. I absolutely love it. So, with that, we're going to go through this kind of quick here and then get to the most important and favorite part of the show. You know what that is. Stay tuned. Starting off with some, uh, some coaching changes here. Or, you know what, let's talk about records. And how the season went last year for the Arizona Cardinals, they went eleven and six overall, four and two in the division, which got them a wild card berth, where they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams, who, by the way, went twelve and five, and of course finished as Super Bowl champions. We also have the San Francisco 49ers, who made it to the playoffs at a record of ten and seven, only going two and four in the division, though. And they also would lose to the eventual Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. That leaves, of course, one final team who 7-10 and 10 last year for the Seahawks is going to look like an unattainable goal for them this season. 3-3 three and three in the division, and they did win Week 18 against the Cardinals. Uh, did not qualify for the playoffs, and man, I don't see that happening this year either. <laughs> we'll see. Hint, we'll see. hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, Anything's possible in college football. Oh, wait, this is the NFL. I'm sorry. Uh, Arizona is predicted by NFL Network uh, for 8.7 wins, so about a 9 and 8 record. LA looking at a 12 and 5 record, 11 and a half wins projected there. San Francisco, 10 and 7, 9 and a half projected wins. And Seattle, 6 and 11 with 5.6 projected wins there. Now, talking about these coaching staffs a little bit, all these teams are returning their head coaches with Pete Carroll being the longest tenured head coach in the division, entering his 12th season. Uh, This really, with Cliff Kingsbury being in his fourth season, being the youngest or shortest tenured head coach, rather insane. It feels like Cliff Kingsbury has been out there a little bit longer. Um, But you'll notice... A lot of these teams have been pretty successful. Even Seattle, you know, last year was not a good year for them. They've been very good very recently. San Francisco has been very good. Uh, they've been pretty good, even going to the Super Bowl three years ago. Right. Uh, we got the LA. the championship last year. I mean, it's like they're no slouches. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking back like four or five years. It's, the past three years, they have been very good. I think that's fair, that's fair to say. That's the, that's the best way to put it. And Arizona's been great, too. They, mm-hmm. they don't have all the success that we've seen L.A. and San Francisco have, or even reaching back a little bit further, Seattle. Um, but they've had a fair amount of success, and there have been coaching shuffles at the offensive and defensive coordinator positions. Starting with the offensive coordinators, the Arizona Cardinals have three of them. Um, I don't know how all of this is broken out. Two of them are returning, so I'll talk about the one new one. Cameron Turner is the co-pass game coordinator, promoted from quarterbacks coach. So they have two pass game coordinators and one run game coordinator. And the the 49ers, 
went out and hired a pass game and run game coordinator uh, to replace their offensive coordinator. We'll talk about them in a minute here. That makes sense-ish. Having three guys doing this, that's too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't see how this is going to be successful for Arizona. So it's weird because a lot of these teams will have an offensive coordinator and then kind of below that on the coaching tree would be a pass game coordinator and a run game coordinator. Having them straight up as two separate entities without really kind of funneling into the same thing doesn't historically work, at least from what I've seen. There is a use to a passing game coordinator and a run game coordinator. It makes sense. A lot of guys are doing it offensively and defensively now. But to not have that one dude that is your your single play caller, which for the Cardinals is probably Cliff Kingsbury. So I, I right. guess it kind of makes sense. But and, and if they if they just had two, I would understand it and how that construct works there. But having three is what is kind of throwing me off here. Right, the three of us never agree on anything. So <laughs> imagine trying to coach a team together. The same piece of a team. And if, and if the, the head coach team. is going to be the one making the final play call and you've got three other guys giving you different play calls, suggestions. Right. No it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. The Cardinals have a, an amazing roster. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. So I don't know this is going to hinder them any, but it is, it's a head scratcher how they, they're set up here. Uh, next up, we have the Rams. Liam Cohen taking over. He was the Kentucky offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He's moving up to the NFL game, replacing Kendlin O'Connell, who is now the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Remember? Remember I said these guys were going on to bigger and better things? Same thing happened out in San Francisco. Mike McDaniel, of course, leaving that offensive coordinator position, taking over as the head coach for the Miami Dolphins. He is being replaced by Bobby Slowick, who's taking over as the pass game coordinator, and Chris Forrester, who is taking, taking over, over as the registered trademark. As the run game coordinator. Uh, which is weird because he was a pass game specialist and offensive line coach. There's an internal promotion there, uh, which we, of course, love to see on the show. But it's uh, – or let I apologize. Chris Forster was the offensive line coach. Bobby Slowick was a pass game specialist. So these that do make a lot more sense. I misread, yeah, okay. I misread my own notes. That's my fault. <laughs> that is – I'll own that 100%. So this makes a lot – this actually makes a lot of sense uh, – having your O-line coach become your run game coordinator. The only thing I, that doesn't make a ton of sense for me there is how much do you really know about uh, the different skills of your running backs down as much as, say, a running backs coach would know. I have faith he's going to do a great job, though. I mean, offensive line is five-sixths of the battle in a run game. so Very, very true. We only have one new defensive coordinator in this division. Ken Norton Jr. has left the Seattle Seahawks to take on the linebackers coach job at UCLA, where he is an alumnus. This is kind of crazy to me. I UCLA is not in a they're not in a great spot as a program right now. Very prestigious historically. But right now, it doesn't make sense that you would want to leave Seattle, leave any NFL organization to go coach in the college game, especially going for a defensive you want to do coordinator. That for any college job, it doesn't usually traditionally make sense. And going from a D coordinator just to a no. position coach, too. That's right. the part that's 
Uh, everything else aside, that part is the biggest head scratcher of all of it. Right. If you're going from NFL position coach to a college coordinator, that happens all the time. But the other way around, this is the first time I've ever heard of that. It's insane to me. It almost looks like they are trying to find a way to get him out, though, because it's also kind of a demotion for for Clint uh, Clint Hurt. He was the assistant head coach and the D-line coach, so I guess now he's assistant head coach and a defensive coordinator. Right. It makes sense, but... That's definitely a promotion. I Yeah, for some reason I made it in my head. I, I assumed he dropped the assistant head coach side, which would be a demotion. That would be, but that that's not how that works. Anyway. Yeah, he's... Uh, he is... Let me see. Yeah, I mean it's it's not showing him as the assistant head coach anymore, but he's got he's got a coordinator position. So I mean, is he really not an assistant head coach anymore? I don't know. A little bit of a different uh different spin there. Different job there is, title. Same yeah, deal. Different job title. Uh what's interesting about this though too, the fact that the assistant head coach job title has been dropped is that if there are any hot seats in the division, it's Pete Carroll. And I don't know that it's entirely his fault. Tim, team owner Jody Allen is very unhappy with the state of the organization. Some of that has to fall on Pete Carroll, absolutely. A lot more of that has to fall on the front office that's making all these trades and dra- poor drafting decisions. And now mm-hmm. Pete Carroll's even in a worse position. Chris Carson just retired out of nowhere. Granted, Chris Carson hurt all the time but you just lost your number one running back three weeks before the season yep so this is going to be pete carroll's 12th season as we already talked about seven and ten last year sean clifford is going to the locker room yo sean clifford might not play this whole second half Purdue has a chance my guy this is great Sorry, back to Pete Carroll. West. Pete Carroll is 119-73-1 overall as the head coach of Seattle Seahawks. What What's it going to take for him to even make it through the season if uh, he's got ownership breathing down his neck already? I mean, if the ownership doesn't like him, it doesn't matter what he does. Yeah, let's be real. Winning cures everything, sure, but owners kind of don't care about winning. They care about making money. If they don't see a future of making money with them, it doesn't matter if they win, if they go undefeated this year. If they're like, the organization has run poorly because of you, they'll still fire yep. him. Very fair, very fair, but without further ado, probably the biggest chunk of this review, let's go into some team position reviews. We got some uh, some pretty interesting quarterback rooms here. Uh, ironically, starting enough, with the greatest one in the NFL, Drew Locke, Geno Smith, down to the wire. Who's going to even be starting? I think it's Geno Smith now. Yeah, they've announced it. It might be Jacob Eason. They have announced it is going to be Geno Smith. Homegrown guy Jacob Eason went to Washington at some point in his collegiate career. His collegiate. I I know what I did. <laughs> I, I'll say this. Geno Smith being named the starter, I am very interested to see how this works out. 
Geno Smith showed flashes of being able to be an NFL quarterback during his time with the New York Football (laughs) Jets. And here we are now getting the chance to start for the Seattle Seahawks. So I love it because I don't like Drew Locke to begin with. I don't understand why you would ever make that trade. (laughs) Oh, man. It's just there's so many questions there. Getting a little bit better at the quarterback position, Trey Lance is going to be the starter for the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy G just signed this huge backup extension. But then you also have Brock Purdy, who you drafted. Um, Okay. This is a loaded quarterback room. There's a lot of things pointing to a lack of faith in Trey Lance. Um, I'm very, very curious to see how this season plays out at the quarterback position for the 49ers. Next up, I think probably the second best room and only because I don't trust Colt McCoy all that much. Not that I trust John Wolford anymore. Who uh, is that? The Arizona Cardinals. Do you don't I'll remember John Wolford having to play like two years ago? Exactly. Yep. John Wolford has played well. Colt McCoy yeah. wasn't he's, even he's good at awesome. Texas. John Wolford is my favorite backup quarterback, even though he's definitely not the best backup quarterback. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it really is an arms race. Pun intended. Kyler Murray and Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's going to have his weapons all year. Kyler Murray's got his top weapon suspension for six games of the season. And Hollywood Um, Browns injured. Yeah. Hollywood Browns injured. I mean, there's There's uh, things happening. Yeah. So Matt Stafford's definitely in a better position. And I think by the fact that I would rather have John Wolford play instead of Colt McCoy, they have the best quarterback room in this division. Um, the 49ers have the one with the most questions, and then you've got the Seattle Seahawks. So it's a it feels feels like Colt McCoy played for Texas in I don't know 1973. Yeah, like he's he's been in the league forever at this point. Unreal. Uh, and still kicking. I will do my outperform Trace McSorley. (laughs) Trace McSorley. All right, so I'm going to highlight we'll see what, my, the XFL. what my biggest concern is across this division. Um, these are some of the shallowest running back rooms I've seen. Now, I understand a lot of it was a lot of these teams were pre-cuts, and this is post-cut, so we're seeing them reduce down quite a bit. But most teams are carrying four or five running backs. So to see a lot of these teams with – or half these teams with two uh, – with three, I'm sorry – one of these teams with two, and then the other one is loaded like a, a, a standard roster. Um, I don't know. What, I mean, that's what not entirely back? true. The 49ers have a lot more. We just listed two here. Yeah, Trey yeah. Turner got cut, though. Uh, he did get picked up off waivers by the Eagles. Very surprised at that move by the 49ers. But they have a lot more than two running backs on the roster. They actually seem to be the two positions they are most loaded at this year is quarterback. <laughs> And running back, which, again, points to not having the best of confidence in the quarterback situation, I would say. Uh, But, yeah, we only have Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson here. They're probably going to be the main in the rotation with Debo Samuel at some point, honestly. So (laughs) The quote here is that Jordan Mason just played too well for them to not keep him, and that unfortunately just left Trey Sermon on the outside looking in. This Our notes here were made pre-cuts. Um so this was kind of just where I thought they would go. 
of course, when I'm looking at this, yeah, Seattle is the deepest, even after losing uh, Chris Carson. They still have Rashad Penny. They have Kenneth Walker III, Travis Homer, DJ Davis, Josh Johnson, Darwin Thompson. All of these guys will likely see the field at some point. I don't know what it is. Seattle always, since Marshawn Lynch has left, always has a problem with running backs getting injured. I don't know if it's a combination of the it's, rain and the turf up there. I don't know it's what it because, is. It's because those running backs don't eat enough Skittles on the sidelines. Yep. That's got to be. It's it. I, but it's <laughs> – mark my words, we've got – I listed five here because I legitimately think all five of them will play at some point. There's six. Sorry, I can't count. There's six of them. <laughs> all six of them, I think, will play at some point this year. That takes us to, <clears throat> again – I think we're looking at probably the two best rooms here. The Rams, of course, have Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson Jr., and then rookie Kyron Williams. The Cardinals that's probably, have – Yeah, that's the best room for sure. That's probably then, the best. James, James Conner. Eno yeah. Benjamin has had some flashes. He is a good rotational piece for the Cardinals. And then Daryl Williams as well is a good guy to slide in every now and again. That's going to be a solid running back room. But, yes, I would still take the Rams over that. For sure. Only fullback in the division, though, Kyle Juszczyk. The best fullback in the league. By far. Right. That's the only fullback you need, and it's the best fullback division in the NFL. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he, of course, plays for the San Francisco 49ers. It's, it's kind of hilarious to me that we're talking about all these West Coast teams, West Coast offense. They all run it. Uh, so it makes sense that nobody else would have a fullback. It's kind of a head scratcher why the 49ers do, but man, when because they he's, yeah, on Kyle the field, yeah, yeah, he's Kyle Juszczyk. When they get him right. on the field, it is it is fun to watch. Moving on, Harvard man himself. Moving on, we're just gonna go in in order here. All right, it's not Purdue, because maybe. all of these all of these wide receiver rooms do have some good qualities here. We got AJ Green. Starting with Arizona, we got A.J. Green, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Antoine Wesley, and DeAndre Hopkins, who, of course, is suspended for the first six weeks of the season. Hollywood Brown acquired via trade. Remember when that whole saga was going on? We thought he was going to retire and be a Twitch streamer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next and up, we got the Rams. Straight up for like a first-round pick on draft night. Yeah. Nuts. Then we got the Rams, of course, acquiring Allen Robinson, the second uh, via free agency. Van Jefferson, really, who should have been the league MVP last year, Cooper Cup. Ben Skoranek, 2-2 Atwell. This is a disgusting wide receiver core. Wide receiving core. Yeah. Um, and I'm they're, really they're still... though. I think 2-2 Atwell is, like, freakily underrated here. I mean, fair. Is he the same name recognition as Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, and Van Jefferson right now? No. Is he more talented than Allen Robinson right now? Probably. Because Allen Robinson fell off hard after he left the Jaguars. And now he's not even with the Bears anymore. I I was going to say, I don't know if he (laughs) fell off because of his talent or if he fell off because of quarterback issues. Okay, who did he have at quarterback when he was with Jacksonville? The boat. Yeah, that's not good. 
There's I could <laughs> I could go into what happened last year, but I'm gonna move on to the to the San Francisco 49ers who also have a disgusting wide receiver room. And oh by the way, last thing on the Rams, they are still talking to Odell Beckham Jr. He very well might sign with the Rams before he's all said and done. Did also see that Von Miller is very much in the ear of the Bills front office. Uh, has already made a couple suggestions on guys that they have added to the 53-man roster, including their current punter. Um, and Von Miller is telling them to reach out to OBJ. So it might end up being a bidding war for his services between the Rams and uh, the Bills with his former teammate, Von Miller. Moving on to the 49ers, like I said a couple minutes ago, and yeah. screwed that one up. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Juan Jennings, Danny Gray, the rookie, Malik Turner acquired by free agency. Look, I whether or not they have faith in Trey Lance, he's in a position to succeed. This is a very good wide receiver room. Even Drew yeah, I like Locke, the addition of Danny Gray. Even Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Geno Smith, of course, being the starter, Drew Locke will – probably play at some point as well. Right. See, but like they're going to be in a decent enough position to succeed too. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Freddie Swain, Penny Hart, Marquise Goodwin from free agency as well. It, it is a shame that that quarterback position and the offensive line we'll get into here in a little bit. It's a shame they're in shambles right now um, because there is talent on the outside to get the ball to. Maybe I, I would be curious to see – if Metcalf and Lockett might be a potential trade bait later in the season to get some more draft picks. Cause I think it's very clear that the Seahawks are in full rebuild mode after trading away Russell Wilson. Yeah. It's tough too, because you asked why you would make that trade for Russell Wilson the or trade away Russell Wilson. The answer is because he got tired of playing behind a shitty offensive line. And we will talk about that offensive line first, but before we do, I'm going to say again, I think the Rams have the best room here. I could see arguments for literally any of these other teams as well, though. I would give more credit to the Cardinals if half their wide receiver room wasn't unavailable for the start of the season. That's my big concern with the Cardinals is I'm afraid they're going to get off to a very bad start in the NFL season because of weapons available. Uh, And I don't know if they're going to be able to recover on the back end. Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler, I guess, for later. But I actually think the Cardinals are going to start like one in six and then really turn things around once everybody's back. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah, the Rams room here is really good. And then combine that with the tight ends because Tyler Higby is actually a really solid tight end as of late. Um, and yet that's probably the worst or second worst tight end room in this division. Um, I mean, Zach Ertz and Trey McBride and Max Williams for the Cardinals. I like all three of those guys. George Kittle is George Kittle. Everybody knows about George Kittle. But in that Russell Wilson trade, the Seahawks also got Noah Fant, who's one of the most promising back end of his rookie deal type tight ends out there right now. So, Will Disley's no slouch either. I mean, he's right. not, he doesn't stack up to George Kittle or Zach Ertz or Tyler Higby, in my opinion. He's definitely in a, a tier below them, but he's not a bad, he's not a bad guy to have out there. Right. Will Disley is probably the best number two tight end in this division. And 
I don't know. That's this is a really good tight end division. Like, yes. sneakily great. I also want to go back and correct all of us here. Hollywood Brown is not injured right now. He just didn't play in the last preseason game because Cliff Kingsbury held a lot of his guys out. No, I I had heard there was something going on. I could be wrong, but I had heard there was... He's not listed on an injury report. I straight up just didn't know that because I haven't watched anything about the Cardinals at all. I haven't either, but I remember... He said that, and I was like, yeah, I think he is, and I went and looked. He is not on an injury report anywhere. From what I was Legit, saying. I thought he was arrested for something. Did, was That was somebody else on the Cardinals, probably. Anyway, sorry, Hollywood Brown. You weren't arrested, apparently, so good on you. Um, offensive line time. <laughs> yeah, offensive <laughs> line time. I'm just going to go through all these. We can... Uh, talk about them at the end. Starting with Arizona, we got DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Will Henderson, the free agent acquisition, and then Kelvin Benjamin. Next up for the Los Angeles Rams, I want to say St. Louis every time. We got Joe Noteboom, David Edwards, Brian Allen, Coleman Shelton, and Rob Havenstein. Then we got San Francisco 49ers acquired via trade Trent Williams, Aaron um, Banks, Jake Brendel, rookie Spencer Buford, and Mike McGlinchey. McGlinchey? McGlinchey. McGlinchey. Man, I was close to the first time. Last but not least, the Seattle Seahawks. Again, this disgusting offensive line. It, it got uh, a little bit better because it's not what it was last year. It's been retooled. <laughs> rookie Charlie Cross, Damian Lewis. Gabe Jackson acquired via trade. Austin Sorry, Blythe. Gabe Jackson. Ooh. Austin Blythe acquired by free agency and Jake Kerhan. God. Okay. That's what you get for making fun of me earlier. I guess. That's fine. I know I can't pronounce names. Um yeah, so Best offensive line here. You gotta think the 49ers, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I might not be able to say McGlinchey, but I know that name. I'm gonna reach across the internet here and slap you. McGlinchey, McGlinchey, Mike, Mike McGlinchey played for Notre Dame. I remember him as a prospect. He was very good. I don't care because he's very fucking Irish. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do love the Charles Cross pick for the Seahawks. I wish they would have done this, you know, four years ago. So does Russ. Finally addressing offensive tackle. Um, but Charles Cross is nasty at tackle. Like, he was the most aggressive offensive lineman in that class. So, go to the Seahawks. They needed somebody like that because nobody else in the offense uh, – Wants to win, so What's that's blocking? cool. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I I don't like the Cardinals' offensive line, and yet somehow every year they're exceedingly mediocre, uh, which is fine. You can win a lot of games with a mediocre offensive line. It's just I wish they would do better than they do. That's I can say that for every season of Cardinals football that I've ever been alive for. I wish they would have a better offensive line than they do. But they just don't, and they win enough games to think they don't need one. 
it's irritating. <laughs> DJ Humphreys is fine. Justin Pugh is so fine as a lineman. But, like, come on. Try, please. <laughs> Why? I'm golden. I win enough games. Oh, not in the postseason, you don't. Ooh, they got to make it there first. They did last year. I they know they did. win a single game, so... Let's talk about some defensive lines. Oh, oh no. Unreal punt. Oh, dude. Okay. So we, wow. we got a rock fight going on. In Big calling, it a touchback. calling it a touchback. I can't believe they're calling it a touchback. That was down at the one. And I hate Penn State. I'm saying it was down at the one. So West Virginia is up 31 24. Yep. Oh, he, he dropped it and rolled in. Although, the end zone. It although. Touchback. Central Michigan is trying to make a game out in fucking Stillwater. Oh, what is it? Only 700 to 17 now? 58 to 44. And it looks like Pitt's okay. quarterback just got hurt on that sack. So that was awesome. That's totally That totally would have been flagged as a bodyweight tackle in the NFL, and that's why I love college football. Oh, you mean so, where you can't tackle the quarterback in the middle of a pass now? Well, he wasn't passing, though. I, my he point, just though. on top of him. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that in the news. We so cut a lot from the show. He got he got sacked, and then there was a sack that stayed on him. Oh my god, for too long. And... Oh no, pit quarterbacks up. Looks like he's staying in the game. All right, defensive okay. lines. Rashad Lewis and Zach Allen up the uh, middle. Uh, wait, wait, wait! Before you start going through these defensive lines, let's just say there is only one defensive lineman that we care about in this division. Puna Ford. And his name is LJ Collier, dude. He's so good. <laughs> no, this, these defensive lines are actually really good. I like most of these defensive lines. Uh, the Seahawks are bad. But anyway, I'll let you get back into it. I just wanted to interrupt you and make you mad at me because it's hilarious to me. Rashad Lewis and Zach Allen up the middle for the Cardinals. J.J. <laughs> Watt, Michael Dogby on the outside. Michael Douglas. Hello there. Small child in the corner. John, we'll let you take this over real quick. All right, Doug. So we're sitting there uh, for the defensive ends uh, for Arizona, as Bug had said before we were so graciously um, attended to. Uh, J.J. Watt and Michael Dugby, Dogby, however you want to, whatever. Dude, I've never heard of one. Great actor, Michael Douglas. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the scariest one, if I'm an opposing quarterback, uh, is the Rams, but that's not because of their entire defense. That's mostly just because of Aaron Donald, uh, who right. can line up literally anywhere on that defensive line and still be impactful. And probably will at different points of the season. <laughs> no, 100% definitely will. Yeah. Uh, then you have Greg Gaines helping him in the middle if he ever needs help. Uh, for defensive end for the Rams, you have a Sean Robinson and Marquise. It is hard A, A Sean. Yeah. A Sean Robinson and Marquise Copeland. Uh, honestly, Javon Kinlaw has started to come into his own for the 49ers. Right. That is going to be just as scary as Aaron Donald this year. Uh, not to the same level, but he's starting to hit that that next stride, starting to work towards that you next year. Remember that, that whole situation, how they got Javon Kim Law, 
Kinlaw, where they traded DeForest Buckner to the Colts for a first round pick, like straight yep. up, and then just drafted his replacement straight up with that pick. Yep. Wild. Somehow that worked for both teams. Absolutely. The Niners were in position to do it, and the Colts needed somebody with experience, and it just yep. totally worked for everybody. Wow. <laughs> and then you have Eric Armstead. Uh, on the ends, you have Sanson Ebukam. Uh, you may have heard this name before, Nick Bosa, and then rookie Drake Jackson. And then the Seahawks are starting, honestly. <laughs> the Seahawks are starting, honestly, what looks like a practice squad uh, defensive line in Al Woods, Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, and LJ Collier. Guys, who who has – I'm going to limit us down to two because I think there's really only two competitors here. Who has the best defensive line in the NFC West? Um, I mean, when you got a guy that can play anywhere on the defensive line, I think you get a little bit of an edge there. Sure, but the other three guys you have listed here are kind of mid. I would say overall talent, it's the 49ers, and I don't think it's that close. Nick Bosa is – right up there as one of top four defensive linemen in the NFL. Uh, Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead both are fantastic defensive tackles on yep. the interior there. Uh, it kind of doesn't matter who the other edge rusher is. That guy <laughs> makes room for Nick Bosa. And I mean, yes, you kind of get that effect with the 3-4 and Aaron Donald there because it doesn't matter who the other two guys are. They just make room for Aaron Donald. Uh, but I, it's more effective usually for the 49ers. That whole defensive line has been great for several years now. I love the whole line, unlike the Rams where only like one position, one guy on, on that line. So It's very true. But – I'll pass back to you to take over the linebackers. Yeah, let's do it. Start with Arizona. We got Dennis Gardeck, Isaiah Simmons, Zavin Collins, and Marcus Golden. For the Rams, we have Justin Hollins, Ernest Jones, Bobby Wagner, a uh, free agency pickup, and coming from another team inside this division, that has got to sting for Seattle. And, of course, Leonard Floyd, who has had a absolute career resurgence in the past couple of years out there in L.A., Oh, it stings. Uh, then we got the San Francisco 49ers, Drew Greenlaw, Dre Greenlaw, sorry, Fred Warner, Aziz Al-Zahir, and Demetrius Flanagan-Foles. Last but not least, we got Seattle Seahawks, Daryl Taylor, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton. Take it away, Doug. Yeah, this room is lacking. And if they want to get better and get on the path to a rebuild, this is where it's going to have to start. The Legion of Boom had an amazing secondary, but had a very underrated linebacking core. Bobby Wagner kind of started to fill in that role and really became the centerpiece of that defense. And now they have nothing. Because we're going to talk about their secondary here in a little bit. Their secondary is about the only thing still kind of holding this team together. Maybe that's where they're starting to you know, go about this rebuild here. Um, but this linebacking core is not it. It's literally the entire NFC West and then the Seattle Seahawks at the very, very bottom. Wow, that's really harsh. 
because Jordan Brooks is actually coming into his own here uh, last year, and I think we'll continue to. Jordan Brooks has been playing pretty well. Uh, and Yushan Nuozu is a kind of a journeyman at this point, but also at the level where, you know, I, I, I respect him. So it's worth keeping an eye on. I actually think this linebacking core is better than you, you just gave it credit for. Uh, not by a lot. I don't think they're going to be great or anything, but you just, you made it sound like they're going to be, you know, F when, you know, they're, they're probably a C tier linebacking core. I will say looking at the Cardinals, I do like their young talent in Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. The other two guys that they're going to have, and I do believe they run a true three, four, uh, or at least a, uh, would be a, Three four four set. I, no, that would be the normal. Um, right. I yeah. <laughs> thanks. Uh, either way, it'd be a uh, three three five is what I was thinking of. Either way, I don't like whoever that third or fourth linebacker is going to be out there. Um, love Zayvon Collins. Love Isaiah Simmons. Fantastic linebackers. It's the pieces around them in that linebacking core that I'm not sure about. Thanks. Uh, Bobby Wagner, Leonard Floyd together make. The Rams, the best linebacking core in this division, hands down. Okay. Although Fred Warner makes a good argument for him alone. Yes, but he and Bobby Wagner do the, do the same thing. Uh, Fred Warner, at this point in their careers, Fred Warner is the more athletic of the two. Uh, just by the case of him being younger, that's going to be naturally true. At the same time, they do kind of the same thing. And the 49ers don't have a Leonard Floyd. Uh, instead, they run a 4-3 and have Nick Bosa. So it hurts their linebacking core here in this conversation, the scheme that they run. But the, as far as linebacking cores, yeah, it's the front seven overall, it's about tied between the Rams and the 49ers. Let's be real. Yeah, and I mean, that's really how you have to look at it uh, when you're really evaluating these risks because these teams do run pretty vastly different defensive base defensive scenes right, here. Right. What that's I mean and it, it just kind of makes sense that we group the cornerbacks and the safeties together anyway, regardless of scheme. And that's right. where we're going now. Starting with Arizona, Antonio Hamilton, Marco Wilson, Josh Jackson, and rookie Matthew Christensen all playing the cornerback position there. And then over the top, the safety coverage here, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, Byron Murphy Jr. Follow that up with the Los Angeles Rams. I almost said it again. David Long Jr., an injured Jalen Ramsey, Robert Rochelle, and rookie Darren Kendrick at cornerback, Justin Fuller, Nick Scott, Troy Hill, and rookie Colby, Kobe Durant. That's definitely Jordan Fuller, former Ohio Jordan State Fuller. player and sixth-round pick who came out. You said Justin Fuller, uh, oh, but Jordan Fuller geez. is uh, came out of nowhere as a sixth-round pick to win the starting job and hasn't looked back. As a matter of fact, the Rams traded away their last starting safety because they were like, Jordan Fuller needs to start, and he's been great. He yeah, and Troy Hill back there is wildly underrated safety and, duo in the league. And those last, yeah, those last four all are, are of course, the safeties. Sorry if there's any confusion there. Moving on to the 49ers, looking at their cornerbacks. Emmanuel Mosley, Tarvarius Ward, a free agent acquisition. Dante Johnson, 
and Ambry Thomas. In the safety room, we got take it away, Doug. <laughs> I was going to. I want to hear you try it now. Talanoa Hufanga. That's actually perfect. Good job. Boom. Jimmy Ward, Samuel Womack the third, a rookie, and Tarvarius Moore. How did you Last get but... Talanoa and mess up Samuel? What did I I said Samuel. You said it funky though. It wasn't oh, right. Whatever. <laughs> Remember when we said that the 49er or the Seahawks rather were retooling their secondary? Uh, yeah. yeah. In a trade, they, they did that at cornerback. They, requ- <laughs> they acquired Sidney Jones the fourth. In free agency, they acquired Artie Burns. And in the draft, they acquired Kobe Bryant. Not that Kobe. R.I.P. <laughs> no, we're talking about the Thorpe Award winner out of Cincinnati, Kobe Bryant, and Tariq Woolen. Out of UTSA, turned over. At the cornerback position. This continues at the safety position where they traded for Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, acquired Justin Coleman via free agency, and finally a returning player, Ryan Neal, is in the safety room again. Jamal Adams is returning too. That was a last year's trade acquisition. Uh, you know what? I was reading that and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. My highlight yeah. must have sucked. That's all right. Either way, there is a reason I said they're starting this rebuild from the secondary forward. Right. Uh, if you look at how this whole secondary is constructed, that is why if the Seahawks are going to have any type of success this season, it's going to be because of how the secondary is able to defend against the pass. Now, obviously, there's a whole run game they got to figure out how to stop to. And, yeah, they have to figure out what to do when they have the ball on offense. This group is going to be – the guys going forward, I think they're wanting to move back towards this Legion of Boom identity they had back in, what, 2013? Yeah. The, the crazy thing, though, that most people just, for some reason, don't recognize, the Legion of Boom was allowed to be the Legion of Boom because every level of that defense was really good. You can't have a single position group be the sole focus of your rebuild and expect that to work out for the length of the rebuild. You have to build up everything. Now, I understand you have to start somewhere, I but it's not going to be that great until everything is that great. That's right. how football works. You, you're exactly right, but when you have two draft picks at the cornerback position. Artie Burns is kind of an iffy acquisition, but he's going to be a good holdover. He's a guy with experience in the league. Same thing with Sidney Jones. They're guys with experience in the league. They're going to be able to show these young guys how to play. This, like this group is going to build. They've plugged in some pieces to kind of bring it together so they can get out on the field this year. They're showing, like they, they drafted well. They made decent moves otherwise. You're exactly right. However, I think they're trying to make moves in that in that direction. That's just where they start. You got to start somewhere, right? 13 yeah. seconds left in the fourth quarter and Bryant looks like they're going to they're going to upset FIU. Is that even an upset? FIU is so bad right now, dude. 
like coach quit because the administration just didn't care about football. Basically, was his statement. So that's with that. Do we think Seattle has the best secondary, or do we think it's somewhere else in this division? It's the Rams, dude. It's the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even with Jalen Ramsey out. I mean, this yes. is, yeah, that's a big loss for him. Yeah, yes. How, how long is he going to be out? How long is he going to be out? That's a real question. Because if it's the whole season, then maybe not. But but here here's the deal as to why I still say it's the Rams, uh, because I like it even without Jalen Ramsey. I like their defense top down and Doug, like you were alluding to. They're not going to have to play coverage for five ten seconds. Seattle's secondary is going to have to, and they're gonna break down. Right. Um, and not no, not. To... I, I like I like these safety rooms though, and yes. it's it's it comes down to who has the best corner room if you're trying to make the whole best defensive back room as a whole. Because Buda Baker, Byron Murphy, like them a lot. Jordan Fuller, Troy Hill, great. Jimmy Ward in himself makes that safety room for Forty ers Love that guy. Uh, Jamal Adams is. At when he's on, he's the best safety in the NFL. Um, he hasn't been on when he's been in Seattle, but let's be real, he has the talent for it. I don't like most of these corners. Jalen Ramsey's the best one by a very long shot, and if he plays even one game this season, the Rams are the clear and away favorites as the best defensive back room in this division, in my opinion. We have an answer on that, Jalen Ramsey injury. Ramsey surgically repaired shoulder is nowhere near 100%, but feels significantly better than it did last season. He was questionable as of August 1st. I haven't seen any other updates elsewhere. So, he's probably going to play. I mean, if he was playing with it hurt last all last year, I think right. it's probably safe to assume he's going to play with it surgically repaired yeah. this season. Yeah, I mean, especially if Jalen Ramsey's going to be there, I think. So it's obviously the Rams. He's going to be out at least four weeks because he's starting the season on the pup. See, I had also seen that they elected not to put him on the pup, but that might have been just old. They didn't want to do it at the start of camp. So, well, yeah. what I'm seeing is he was on the camp on July 22nd. Well, he ain't on the pup anymore. He's on the dog list because he is a dog. He got that dog in him. <laughs> Moving on to our special teams here for the Arizona Cardinals. Matt Prater at kicker, Andy Lee at punter, Rondell Moore returning kicks. Matt Gay Andy probably Lee is the GOAT. Matt Gay, probably the second best kicker in this division, is doing the kicking for the Rams. Riley Dixon, acquired by a free agency, is doing the punting. And Memphis Brandon Legend. Powell is doing what? <laughs> Brandon Powell is doing the returning. Probably the best kicker in the division is in San Francisco. That would be Robbie Gold punting Mitch Wisnowski and Ray Ray McLeod third, listed as the return man, but we'll see if he is still even on the roster. Um, again, these are pretty old notes here. Kicker Jason Myers for the Seattle Seahawks, punter Michael Dixon, and return men, Freddie Swain and DJ Davis. What are we laughing at here? Robbie Gould? It's Gould. 
He played no, for I'm, Chicago I'm, long I'm, enough. I think I know how to pronounce his name. I'm still laughing at called Riley Dixon the Memphis legend because I thought that would be hilarious, and it totally was hilarious. <clears throat> no, he went to Syracuse, but it's <laughs> made me laugh really hard. And also, Purdue is driving. It makes me happy. So, the backyard brawl is delivering. Yes. Let's move on real quick <laughs> so we can get to the last and best part of the show. How do we think this division is shaking out this year? Personally, I've got the Rams repeating as division winner. I think it's uh, yeah, pretty obvious yep. as to why. Uh, and we all up, have we all have Seattle at the bottom too. Let's just put yes. that out there. Rams so, one, Seattle four. The other stuff in the middle, we might disagree on. Go ahead, Bug. What do you got? Yeah, I've got the 49ers in second just because they don't have questions swirling around. Uh, the Cardinals very much do with some injuries and some suspensions. There's a, there's a lot of questions here. There's also been a lot of unrest. It's been a very strange offseason including not allowing their starting quarterback to play video games. Um, yeah, the Cardinals, I, I've still got them making the playoffs, which means obviously the 49ers are too. I'm very curious to see how this team is actually going to go out and perform week in and week out on the field. And if they struggle early, what the uh, tensions are going to be like, especially between Kyler Murray and that front office and coaching staff. What are you thinking, Tug? So I'm in agreement with Ben in, in the order. I've got Rams, 49ers, Cards, and Seahawks. That being said, I do have a big fear. Um, something just seems off about the Cardinals this year. The talent can be there. They're missing their biggest wide receiver for um, the first six games. But also, Dowder Hopkins hasn't really... I don't want to say he hasn't been good because he's been good, but he's not the same D-hop that he was down in, in Houston. Um, That's wild and feels like a statement born out of not seeing him play in a while. Because he was pretty freaking great. He basically should be the uh, that the the Hail Murray. The picture of him catching I mean, the yeah, I remember that. Jordan yeah. was, that should be yeah. the advertisement for Jordan Apparel forever. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's going to be Michael Jordan still, let's be real. But, you know. <laughs> but Jordan didn't play football. Come on. <laughs> Work with me here. Either way. Hopkins even, brand. <laughs> even, even with that, though. Like, even if even if I was right or if I'm wrong, whatever. That only goes to my point of I don't know how they're going to start the season. And there is tensions there. There's yeah, question marks on the offensive line. I don't think the Cards are going to make the playoffs. I do think the Niners will. I don't think the Cards will. See, that's crazy to me. Both of you guys are crazy to me. Because saying the 49ers don't have Careful. any questions, come on. How do they not have questions? We literally spent half this show talking about who do they believe in Trey Lance even? They just overpaid somebody to be his backup quarterback. We talked about how they kept running backs on the roster like in a way that says they might try to run the ball a whole lot this year. We're also banking on the defense staying healthy which they haven't done for a long time. Actually, Nick Bosa hasn't had a full healthy season like since high school. I'm not exaggerating. So I don't – I love the guy. At the same time, I don't trust him to carry my team, right? And so I think they're going to be great. They have a fantastic roster. 
probably the second best roster in this division. There are a lot of questions about the 49ers, and there are every year. I'm going to say they finish third and make the playoffs again. Basically, I'm predicting what happened last year to come true again. The difference is Cardinals start the season with the hardest slate of games that they have all year. Also, DeAndre Hopkins is out for that stretch. They're going to be really bad to start the season, and everyone's going to lose faith. Then they're going to turn it around because the back half of that schedule is so freaking easy, and they have DeAndre Hopkins back. It's going to be like taking candy from a baby at that point, and they're going to finish second in the division by a game, and both of them are still going to make the playoffs, along with division champion Rams, of course. Um, I mean, this is probably the second best division in football. Um, and I think it's wild to me that there are this many questions about these teams, even though we still all agree that they are great. Like, I want to throw this out here. <laughs> yes, I do have a lot of questions about the 49ers. I've had questions about the 49ers for about five years, and they made it to True. the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship. True. And I think another <laughs> NFC Championship. Who the, who the Buccaneers play in the NFC Championship two years ago? Either way, you get my point. They have exceeded I expectations. I do get your point. But last year they made the conference championship game as the third team out of the division to make the playoffs. Also true. Yep. So, I mean, it's <laughs> everything, everything. And did they here. go through Tampa Bay to do it? Too? <laughs> like, I mean. Yeah. Uh, and Green Bay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. They did go through Green Bay. Yeah. Warms the heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that is why I'm picking them in second place instead of third. Touchdown I think Purdue, Purdue scored, maybe. We have a tie game in the backyard brawl. And look, we've done a lot of talking. We've done a lot of talking, baby. but it's time to do some singing because it's part of the show here. Look at him to it right now. He's embracing it, and I appreciate everything about it. Purdue is up 23-21 pending the extra point. Make it 24-21. We have a minute left in third quarter. Dude, I want Purdue to win so bad. Sean Clifford's back in the game. He's playing with a hurt knee. Probably half of Purdue has been hurt at some point in this game. Backyard brawl is tied up. It is all tied up in Pittsburgh. You know, the, the weirdest parts, we're watching these great matchups, and they're playing in dog shit stadiums, okay? We've Lost already voted all of them out. Akrisher Stadium. Get out of here, uh, dude. Bring me back to Three Rivers Stadium. Or, hell, just put the fucking put the ketchup, ketchup bottle bottles, back up, baby. Back up. Which, by the but, way, are still in Madden. I'm very pissed off about it. Yeah, uh, well, that's Madden for you. So, anyway, we are very close to the end of our Power 5 plus 5 stadiums bracket here. Uh, of course, we did the Power 5 plus 5 because it's probably going to be a minute before we come back to do the group of five. And by that time, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and uh, the other one, UCF. Yeah, the other, <laughs> the other one. The other one's fine. <laughs> uh, they'll be in the Power 5. Uh, but, of course, they're already out of this bracket anyway, so you, you know the drill by now. Um yeah, we're down. This is like the quarterfinal, so your votes really matter a lot here. 
which is unfortunate for this first matchup because uh, this was a tie on Twitter. Kind of, kind of sad. He hit the uh, receiver in the worst possible place in the hands, and it bounced over his head for a pick six. Pitt just took the lead. What oh, is with college God. receivers this year in this happening? It's he, every year, dude. You just haven't watched college football in a while. The ball was at his belly button. It hit him in the hands and bounced over his head into the, oh, qu- the quarterback so was awesome. behind him. Completely has almost three hundred passing yards. What is this? <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, University of Virginia and Florida State University tied in our Twitter poll. Scott Stadium, Dope Campbell Stadium. It's 50-50. It's up to us. God, Who's moving on here? I absolutely hate that we have to make the decision here. Right. Because this is tough, and that's why Twitter was tied. I mean, it's a good problem to have, don't get me wrong, but don't I don't want it to be a problem, all right? I can you tell you personally, say, Tug. Go ahead, jump in. I was gonna say I can tell you personally I'm leaning towards Florida State. I, I like the look of Joe Campbell better. I just all the way around. Um I believe it's gonna higher capacity. I know I could look that up right now, but I'm going with my gut on this. It's gonna higher capacity. Uh and then it, it's got the better traditions too. Uh, they're one of the few places that can still do the Seminole chop and not be yelled at for it. So, or the tomahawk chop, whatever you want to call it. Either way, they can still do it. Yeah, well, I mean, they got the the backing of the Seminole Nation, and Seminole Nation gets a lot of money from uh, yeah from right. Florida State. That certainly helps. Yeah, they don't have to have their tradition stripped <laughs> from them like Illinois. Anyway, um, and. I think the thing that really just puts it over the top, because here's the thing. I love Scott Stadium. I love it. This is a, it's a traditional bowl, but is a, it's, it's a traditional bowl, but it's not a traditional bowl, right? I mean, it's, there's more to it and I I can't really describe it any better way than that. Um, And I love bowl stadiums. I, I just do. Here's the thing. Dope Campbell does it a little bit better, if only because of what you got on the outside. I mean, I picked this overhead shot for a reason. Right. Because this is this is just beautiful to look at. I mean, if you have a vision problem, you don't know that you're about to walk into a football stadium when you're looking at this facade. It looks like it could just be any other place on campus. And Which then, boom, awesome. college football. Yeah, I know I've been making references for both of these stadiums the entire bracket about how they both look very collegiate. And that's something that's kind of important when it comes to college football stadiums, right? You want it to be a part of this and part of the culture of being at this university. Florida State blends right in, dude. But so does Scott Stadium. It looks I know natural as a part of the campus. Florida State blends right in. And it looks so cool. It's so unique, too. Like straight it. up making that a like it's like it's a it castle. Look, it looks, looks like it football. could be a hotel, like a very right. nice resort. Right. It just happens right. to have a football stadium attached to it. I mean I love it. Doke Doke Campbell is moving on for us here. I think that's definitely fair, but I think it was also fair that it's tied on Twitter. And uh appreciate all you guys voicing your opinions for sure. It's gonna help us a lot in the next one because 
next matchup we have here Bryant Denny Stadium versus Husky Stadium. And this one was not a tie. This one went to Bryant Denny here for sure. Um, I think up. I've voted against Husky Stadium every time. You have. And that's not about to change. What do you have against Husky Stadium? I've got to know. I just I Pac-12 in general. So no, it's not that. It's that I actually do prefer the traditional bowl. In, in Husky Stadium, it's symmetrical. It's got a nice lookout over the water. That's that's all great. But it's just when I think of College Stadium, it's I don't think of what Husky Stadium looks like. It's not you know, what I'm expecting. Better, you know, what's even better about being out over the water is sailgating. Now, Bryant Denny's moving on. But you want to talk about great college football traditions? How can you look me in the face and tell me that sailgating is not the best college football tradition as far as stadiums and pregame traditions in all of college football? That's awesome. I, I would love to go to a tailgate on a sailboat outside of Husky Stadium. Please contact Wait. us. I would love <laughs> to join you and drink all your beer. I was about to disagree, and then you said – contact us so we can join you and now i'm like fully on board if anybody <laughs> has, wants to prove that that's the best pregame tradition i'm there so yeah but brian denny is moving on here it's yeah it's brian denny um kind of a kind of a big deal when it comes to you know football and stuff alabama is you it's, know, a, it it's, a hot, it's a hot ticket every week so Oh, it's such a traditional stadium, but they do it very well. Uh, a lot of a lot of good features to this stadium, and I don't. It, it's already moving on. I don't want to go too much into what I'm thinking about it. I guess we can save that for some more hotly contested rounds. Yeah. Um, unbelievably, though, that one wasn't close, and we're in the quarterfinal. So, right, Danny's moving on. Next matchup of the day is Davis Wade Stadium versus Camp Randall. This is Mississippi State versus Wisconsin. Now, we finally have a matchup of two very non-traditional stadiums. Uh, Non-symmetrical, you know, for Camp Randall. Davis Wade is symmetrical, but, like, weirdly and not doesn't fill in the end zones very well, and it's, like, funky. Or at all. Twitter went with Davis Wade in a big way. I feel like this that was... This has happened once already. I feel like that was slightly manufactured. Camp Randall has yeah. lost by a lot. And they moved on last time. I just want to remind you. Just want to remind you. I know. All the Rednecks down in Starkville took offense to the fact that I pointed out their players didn't know how to down a football properly. <laughs> and they decided they were going to come and ruin the integrity of our poll and say that Davis Wade, where they take the cowbells off their girlfriends for the night and ring them for everybody to hear, is a better stadium than Camp Randall. And wait a minute, wait, wait, I've got this. I know why they don't do jump around at Davis Wade. It would cause an earthquake. They are Thank close you. to a fault line. Man. Unreal. I, I just look Davis so, Wade is a is a great so, stadium. I don't think there's enough gas here. For me here's to my thing. Hardly go against Mississippi State on this one. But here's my thing, and maybe maybe this is using the wrong things to move on the wrong wrong uh, the wrong stadium here. But um, were you able to ever get Wisconsin fans to respond the same way? So here's the thing: 
We discovered that really. Utah Twitter uh, was very active. Right. Um, Utah Twitter, something else. Mississippi State Twitter. Apparently, I got very else. active. Wisconsin Twitter doesn't exist. Like if you type in Wisconsin football, you start finding stuff about Wisconsin high school football, which is cool. I just don't care. Um, right, it doesn't so, help this poll. So <laughs> it does not help them in this poll. I'm I, almost inclined to give Twitter the benefit of the doubt here, and I hate to say that. I I legitimately don't think Camp Randall like this is this is a like, closer matchup than I think Twitter is giving it credit for. Absolutely. But I think Davis Wade would win this one anyway. Jump around is awesome. Cowbells are annoying as all fuck. But I'm but, but aside from that, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that this scoreboard, this video replay board, was the largest in the SEC less than 10 years ago, which made all the other SEC schools rush to buy bigger scoreboards. It's very much a trendsetter in the conference. They're the only place in the conference that can have their cowbells. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for home field advantage. Where would I rather play as an opposing team? I think it's Wisconsin. So, yeah, I guess probably. to tie it all together, I, I'm going to give it to Davis Wade Stadium. And and I'm I'm leaning towards like I said, giving Twitter the shout out, and and moving on Davis Wade. It sucks because I really like Camp Randall personally, like I really do. But I th- I think we go with Twitter on this one. I think it's only fair. Uh, Davis Wade is moving on here, and we'll be facing the winner of our next matchup. In the next, we'll round. be losing to the winner of our next <laughs> matchup. Yeah, probably. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we have Boone Pickens Stadium, home of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, up against Rose Bowl Stadium. Technically the home of the UCLA Bruins, but more well-known for being home of the Rose Bowl. Um, yeah. If- Twitter went with Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? I know Tug hates the Rose Bowl for some reason. I was going to say, if I vote against the Rose Bowl, I'm going to be shunned and maybe kicked off the show. So... You can vote against it. No, they, I, it wouldn't be from you. <laughs> here's here's the thing, though. The Rose Bowl is a cathedral and coliseum of college football, right? I like Boone Pickens Stadium more. It's not that I dislike the Rose Bowl. I respect the Rose Bowl. I think it's a fantastic stadium. But when we're talking about some of the other things that we've enjoyed about these different stadiums Boone Pickens is a fantastic stadium it's unfortunate that it has to go up against the Rose Bowl it was eventually going to happen anyway correct the the other thing I'm getting at here I don't want this to be a thing where the Rose Bowl ends up going all the way to the final or winning because it's the Rose Bowl right there's redeeming qualities about every stadium and while the Rose Bowl is a great stadium, I think you could argue that Boone's Pickens is a better stadium. I understand it winning on Twitter, and I'm not about to go against Twitter when it's the fucking Rose Bowl. Boone Pickens got a really trade. shitty draw here. Yes. I know. I was watching Oklahoma State at least a little bit of it today. I'm like, damn, that looks awesome. I know. That stadium is something else. But the Rose Bowl's moving on. 
I gotta say I though, man, I, I gotta go to America's Greatest Homecoming at some point at Boone Pickens Stadium because I feel like that atmosphere has gotta be fucking insane. Right. Right. Good luck getting tickets to that, by the way. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> break out the checkbook. Hey, hey, Ben. We have friends whose parents are alums. We do. We do. We'll have to tap into that eventually. Still. Good luck. So next week we'll have four more matchups and we'll be sending out polls live when we're live on Twitch on Monday. And then we'll be talking about it live on Thursday. So next week we're on to two shows, by the way. We didn't say that up top, but that's happening. And uh yeah, we can talk about this bracket time both both shows. You said you look like you're about to say something, but what do you got? This is exactly what I was talking about when I was talking about Boone Pickens versus the Rose Bowl. This we have is the same thing happening. Yeah, in our first matchup next week, two giants like these are. Yeah, because yeah, it's Kyle Field, um, which is great, but it's going against the L.A. Memorial Coliseum and you know the fake USC. Yes. Hey, the Trojans protect the cock commander, okay? Yeah, need them both. Need them both. They both <laughs> have their place. Next up, we do have Neyland Stadium, uh, Bugs' favorite place in the world. Up against Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium, uh, which is a very unique-looking stadium. I'm actually surprised it made it this far, but I'm also excited it did because it looks You know why cool. it did? You know why it did? Woo pig. Woo pig. Woo pig Sue. We need that soundboard. Next up, we have the Ohio State University up against Clemson. Ohio Stadium versus Clemson Memorial Stadium. Dear God, uh, this is a juggernaut of a matchup. Wow. Wow. I'm It's nervous. a no-brainer to me. I'm nervous, even though I obviously know who I would prefer to move on. Uh there's some fair arguments both directions. I understand that. So we need your votes on Twitter for sure. Uh, last matchup of next week will be Tiger Stadium. This the LSU versus the Swamp itself, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. whole lot of SEC stadiums left in this bracket, by the way. We need SEC Twitter to show up finally. They did. They just voted for Davis Wade. I know, but that's Mississippi State Twitter. I want full SEC Twitter in full force because they hate Clemson too. So let's dude, bring it on. Dude, just call out Paul Feinbaum. Tell him that the Big Ten is better, <laughs> and it will lose its mind. Pow! Perfect. <laughs> oh, man. But I think that's all we're going to talk about this episode, which... If you hung around with us, yeah. thank you incredible um what a show it's been wow what a podcast um wow what a great podcast this went about an hour longer than i was expecting um right right good thing we're splitting into two shows next week this is exactly why and this is why next year we will also be splitting into two shows because during the off season because yeah yeah anyway (laughs) yeah that's all i got Hand it off to you guys. Close us out. Well, you know, uh, I had a dream last night that I was a muffler. 
I woke up exhausted. That is horrendous. Understandable. I. Yep. All right, ladies yep. and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Our links will be tagged in the description below. Uh, we appreciate you for hanging out with us today. Oh, it really was a great podcast, guys. But just remember, hey. you can't win a game if you can't win the trackers.